listening to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hikara. And this is episode number 82. And this week on the podcast, I have the great honor and privilege of having Shiver, uh, main man behind uh, Archive Archivist Zine and uh, Instagram page, and um, uh, for doing his very first uh, podcast ever. So definitely a great honor to have him on here. I'm a big fan of uh, of what he does with with his uh, page and with his whole zine as well. I've been getting every issue since issue number two, and uh, yeah, I can't recommend recommend it enough. Uh, highly enough, it's one of the gra- greatest zines out there currently, in my opinion. Always packed with great interviews and um, a lot of reverence um, for the old black metal world of the late 80s and early 90s and also the later 90s as well um and uh and you know, real black metal as a whole i feel like what what arcane archivist is doing what shiver is doing with that is really keeping that flame alive and alight and holding it high um and hopefully there are not just people like myself who already are on that page but maybe maybe some younger people are getting a crash course in uh and the truth of the history of black metal and and what black metal is through uh through his work and um yeah so obviously a lot of these types of topics are what we talk about we talk about black metal in all in so many different ways and um and yeah basically it's a couple hour conversation about black metal is really great talking to to him and i I uh, really would like to have him back on again in the future. Um sure we could fill up even more time very easily uh, chatting all about black metal and uh, both its history and bands that we like and just uh, just current state of, of black metal and all these types of things. So hope you guys will be in, will enjoy this episode. I, I can imagine that, that most of you will. Um. So that's what's happening happening this episode. Um and uh yeah, very happy and pleased that that he let me uh that he uh agreed to come on and uh, be the first podcast that he is on. Um the next episode is going to be the uh Soul Knox uh let's see the Nevermore ep- episode I did with Jackie Schmidt all about the band Nevermore. So you can look out for that later on this week. Um, it was a great episode talking to Jackie about them. Uh, very underrated, amazing band. So look forward to that. And uh, so yeah, so let's get into the the plugs and uh, then we'll go from there. I belong to a gang of podcasters called the Horsemen of the Podcast Apocalypse, which consists of every other Monday you have Warwolf 666 with Brandon Legion. Every Tuesday, you have Into the Necrosphere with Jackie Smith. Every Wednesday, you have Everything Went Black with Mike Hill. And of course, Mike and I have our podcast our, um, podcast series split between Everything Went Black and Soul Knox, entitled Darkness Weaves, which is all about the work of Carl Edward Wagner. Um, the next episode of that will be coming up very soon as well. Um... And then every Thursday, you have Necromaniacs with Mike Hill, Mike Scandato, and Jeff Kashid. Every Friday is uh, formerly known as Break the Apocalypse, now known as Spitball Media. 
And at intermittent times when he feels like putting one out there, you get Iblis Manifestations with Cheyenne of Trivax. And I'm not a horseman, but a, an associate of mine. I'd like to also shout out my Selium signal with Constantine Tuonohovi. And uh, the same day this episode is going out, he's dropping a new ep- episode of My Selim Signal with the great Matt Carden. And if you're familiar uh, with weird fiction, you probably know who I'm talking about. But he's an amazing author and uh, thinker, and I'm very much looking forward to hearing that episode that he did with with Constantine. Um, uh, you can follow, yeah, please sp- spread, spread the word, spread the disease, so to say, and, uh, and, uh, share all the podcasts and follow everybody on social media. You can follow me at either my name or at Denver Underground Radio, which is the online radio station I run. And we have shows live every Tuesday and Thursday nights from 11 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, sorry, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, um, that you can listen to at DenverUndergroundRadio.com. And if you go on the Instagram, you can see all our set lists. You can see um, all the stuff for the podcast. And you can also get links to the Spotify playlist for all our episodes that we play live. And uh, finally, I have a uh, Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Podcast. $2 a month and you get about two to four bonus episodes a month. And overall, you get my thanks and gratitude for helping to support the podcast and keeping things going on and helping me uh, recuperate my expenses for for the for the podcast. So I really appreciate anybody who signs up there, and you'll get a shout-out on the episode main feed as well when you do. So um, that's that's the deal. So we're going to get into this episode with, uh, with Shiver. Um, I hope you guys enjoy, and hail Satan.
Awesome. Well, welcome to the welcome to Solnox. It's an honor Ooh, to have you, you on so here. Much. <laughs> oh yeah, it's an honor to be on here. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I've been uh, following Arcane Archivist for. I'm not. Qu- I don't quite remember. It's been two or three years. Probably like three or four, three, at least three years. I think. I, I think I've, I found it because um, uh, Nas Alchemist, like he shared something. Like I think it was like when you guys when you you posted something about Ashan being on that MTV, like that like little clip from that that thing. And I remember uh, uh, Nas shared it, and I was like, I saw that video, and then I looked on your page. And I was like, oh, this is fucking sick. It's like all this like you know history of black metal basically here. Like all these like you know, pictures and stuff you're never going to see see anywhere else, really, and just the whole thing. And so, yeah. And then, then I found out about the zine and everything. And I, I think I have pretty much all of them, except for I think the first issue came out um, before I found your, before I found out what you said. So I don't have the first one, but I think I have all the others. So, yeah, oh, it's, man, awesome. That's, that's it's awesome, awesome to have you on. Yeah. I'm definitely Thank back you. 100% what you're doing, you know? Uh, I fucking appreciate that. I mean, and as it goes for the first issue, don't worry about it. It's uh, I don't I pretty much don't even consider it to be. It's like so many steps below because I had no idea at that time when I did made that first issue like what it would turn into. So yeah, it's the first issue, but, but it's you're not missing much. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I think probably one of my favorite episodes so or episodes uh, issue so far has been um, the one that has like Devil and everything in it, like the real thick one. I really liked that yeah. one a lot, and I liked the new the one most recent one as well. Issue five, the one with the Devil interview um, and the funeral interview and the Treldom stuff is my favorite issue I've done as well. Uh, yeah. But that issue fucking pretty much ruined my life. I mean, they all kind of do a little bit because I just, I you know, I work a day job and I, and I don't make any money on this shit. So it's like every time I do an issue, it's like into debt, <laughs> into debt, into debt, days off work. So that issue five, because it was so thick and there was so much in it and there was so much work to do with it. I pre- almost lost my job, almost <laughs> all of these oh, things. Uh, <laughs> so that, one, that one almost killed me, but I am very happy with how it turned out. That's yeah. my favorite one so far. Yeah, I'm sure that, yeah, trying to do something like that on top of a day job can be pretty challenging, like trying to edit um, a magazine, like, because that's like, that's a lot of work. I mean, like the podcast, like, you know, I don't have to, and it's not a whole lot of work for me. I, you know, I just have to, it's still some, but I'm able to fit it in around my work because it's like, you know, do the, do the conversations, edit it, put it out, share it, that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, it's constant because I'm doing every week, you know, but doing like a magazine or zine type of format like that is uh, definitely probably a thousand times more work because you're having to do the layouts and do you do all the layouts on do you do it like on the computer or is it like old school? Like, I kind of do it a half and half way because I, when I first started out, like the first issue was pretty much cut and paste, did it all like, you know, like, and I had made, I've made a bunch of zines before Ark and Archivist that I did. I don't really want to um, like include, but I, you know, so I've made cut and paste scenes for years now. So the first issue is kind of a cut and paste type of scenario, scenario with some digital. And then from there, I kind of do a half and half approach where like um i'll get i'll get the hand-drawn borders i'll xerox them i'll get the writing i'll get it the way i want it to and then i will xerox things scan everything in and then i'll digitally manipulate it from there for the actual print okay so it's kind of like it's a half between cut and paste and um digital i mean it it is digital i'm not going to front and say that it 
you know, the the way they did it back in the nineties and the eighties and however long zines have been around, even the two thousands. I mean, that takes even so much more work. Um, uh, for that, how they cut and paste all of those. I look at old slayer mags and stuff like that. And the amount of work that went into those layouts is unbelievable. Yeah. When in, you think about the work into the layouts and then the fact that they're also literally going to a lot of times going to a copy store and, you know, copying them. And then, then from that stage, you have this copied like stuff and then you have to like staple it all together. You know, it's like a lot of work, you know, <laughs> it's totally a lot of work. I, I mean, obviously those dudes are the dudes that I look up to, but at the same point, um, zines meant something different back then. You know what I mean? Uh, whether I like it or agree with it or disagree with it, they, they did mean more at that time. Um, thankfully there's still diehards out there that want to read interviews and that, um, want to own something physical. So there's still a little bit of room for like, for me and a couple other people to do like our thing, but like, you know, it's hard to really compare to like anything in the past because back in those days, I mean, like those zines, they did in, if you look at the whole picture of the scene and shit, they, it did mean more because that was the only place people were going to get information about these bands that were like super obscured. And um, so, yeah, it's a little bit different. And that's why I, I don't have any problems with like doing my layouts and stuff because I think that like, if you get to the level where you're doing everything exactly like they did it just say I did it like they did it. It becomes like cosplaying where like I have life to live and this is my art. This is like what I like to do. But I also don't want to be like, you know, they only use this type of pen and paper when they were writing their stuff. So I have to do that too. You know, I have to have my own. You know, we, we are living in a different age now, so it has to be a little bit different. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you have to think about it in the sense that like uh, you're doing it now. You're, you're kind of like, taking up the, the tradition but you're doing it now you're not trying to like oh i'm trying to copy what they were doing back then you're just trying to like keep the keep the whole thing alive in a way and you know yeah. it makes more sense now anyways i mean it let's put it this way if people if the guys back then had access to oh i can just take this down and get it printed you know i can get stuff printed like way easier and do all this stuff i mean they would probably would have been doing that that way as well you know 100 I mean, the reason they're doing it the way they're doing it was because of that was um the only way to do it, you know, <laughs> there wasn't, it was way exactly. too expensive to get stuff printed. So the cheapest thing to do is copy it, you know. And there's something to be said about the magic of those zines. Um, I think it's also kind of the same thing as the magic of those early demos and albums from those bands. Um, for instance, like, I don't know, when you look at demos, like the, you know, the Satyricon Enslaved demo split, or, you know, especially that Satyricon demo, you know, if it was recorded on a four track, you know, by teenagers, there's like magic that was like put, you know, to tape there. And because they weren't recording it on a four track because that was, you know, well, maybe they could have afforded it. But at that time, that was like, you know, what was available to record it. And obviously now you can go buy that same task cam four track. You can record a demo. You can do everything. You can use old an old Ibanez RG or whatever they used. But it doesn't mean it's going to have the same magic just because you use every single thing. So I kind of feel like, like you said, like if, you know, if there was Instagram in 1992, the sad reality that like shatters the whole, you know, mirror is the fact that bands like Satyricon or bands like, I don't know, like Gorgoroth would have probably had an Instagram if they could have. 
back right. then. <laughs> and even though, because you read like old interviews with Furnace and shit and from like 92 and 93, and he's like, I want this band to be the biggest band in the fucking world. I don't care. I want to make all the money in the world. I don't give a fuck. You know, it's a very like, obviously left-hand path, like singular looking in type attitude. And um, it's interesting just to think that cause a lot, I think a lot of people look at it differently and think to themselves like, oh, these bands are super underground. They would never have this. But I think like you said about the zines and how different, I think a lot of bands would have done that. And they might bum some people out, but I just think it's the truth. Yeah, well, that's something that I kind of figured out as well about, say, like the early Norwegian scene. When you hear a lot of these the guys talk about some of the kind of unifying, like I guess, for lack of a better word, morality in quotes, you know, that they had. One of the real things that that seemed a lot of the guys had was this kind of egotism. They they're like because it was against the kind of anti ego like everybody you know out in, out in Norway and Sweden. It's like you're supposed to subserve your yourself to the state and to the culture and to everybody so they're like no we're gonna do the opposite we're gonna be like egotistical you know we're we're gonna only do our you know what's important to us ourselves like that kind of stuff is kind of like i guess counter to what the culture was trying to kind of that kind of like because in, in those countries there's a lot of things where you're not supposed to really brag about what you do you're not supposed to like have like pride too much in what you're doing you know what i mean like over overly too yeah. much they don't want nobody to be like too big, you know, everyone's supposed to be kind of in the middle. Like, so I feel like, um, a lot of those, Nor particularly in those Norwegian and even the Swedish guys, like they seem to have the, the, that's like one of those things that no one really talks about. And except for the guys who are there is this type of mentality yeah. of like, yeah, like we're going to be the best. We're going to be the biggest. Like, I mean, even Euronymous was talking about that kind of stuff where he's like, you know, he's like, oh, I wanted to like, you know, mayhem to be big and i want to like fucking pervert or the world kind of mentality and stuff like that you know i want to spread this so i think that oh, yeah. that was definitely a big part of that that early scene you know yeah i think a lot of things get lost i mean the funny part is too it only takes going back and reading old zines and you know i'm, I'm obsessed with old zines, especially from scandinavia because what is thought of these days as how it went down or the thoughts they had and stuff like that compared to what was written, whether they believed it or not is like so different, you know, starting from stuff like that, or even, I don't know, there's, there's just a lot of ways people, you know, there was a lot of thinking too. I think in, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody that's incredibly versed in like all different schools of be cold. And I know you're probably much more informed about that than I am. But really interesting to look back on the early Norwegians and even the Swedish um, early scenes in about how rudimentary some of their beliefs were. And I think that that's like one of the most interesting things to me is that a lot of these people look at as being these like satanic black metal pillars. You know, the books that they were actually reading on Satanism would be stuff that would be like kind of laughed at today. You know what I mean? Right. Um, or some of them, I mean, the, the thing I always go back to, um, when thinking about that goes to blasphemy from Canada. Um, I know that's not Scandinavian, but it trips me out that they always in interviews back in the day, they would always talk about that book. Um, fuck, I feel like an idiot for not remembering the name, but it was 80 satanic panic book. Oh yeah. They talk about the, uh, what's her name? Um, the what's her name remembers book where it's like, oh, we're like, yeah. And it got, it all got debunked. 
yeah or or like memories of being yeah like uh um about like the them like selling the kids to like the satanic cult and yeah i mean i know what you're talking about i just can't think of the name either yeah <laughs> but it's like interesting to look back on that and be like because like, they were talking about that shit obviously at the time it hadn't been like debunked yet or like you know like the truth hadn't come out about the book and stuff so it's interesting to think that like that's a band people kind of take their and i'm not saying that they don't they you know, they can have all their own experiences and shit i don't know them personally at all and they might have other shit that's like totally actual occult shit but it's interesting to see a band talk about um, a reference like that <laughs> when, you know, later on stuff was so much more theistic or even just like deep, you know, a lot of these early bands were somewhat surface level with their, with their beliefs, which is interesting because that, that whole view has kind of changed, I think in a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. I would say that when you read a lot of those old, you know, um, old interviews and, you know, the zine stuff, like, a lot of their beliefs were definitely very like primitive. There's a lot of kind of elements of primitive type of uh, egotism, like a dogmatic Satanism, that kind of Satanism, or like uh, you had a lot of, um, I guess, like this idea of like um, of worshiping, like if if like God, if like the church is supposed to be like good and all this stuff, then we're gonna be we're gonna be evil. You know what I mean? That was a big thing. This kind of anti-human type of anti-life type of thing was a big part of the early black metal scene. I feel like, um, you know, which I think what happened in the early two thousands, like I actually think that in a lot of ways, that's when black metal, like on a spiritual level really kind of grew up when you got like bands like funeral mist and, yeah. and offer mod and on and Watain, and that whole kind of movement that kind of spread, you know, like Anteus saw stuff like that whole Orthodox scene. That's kind of when, like, I think the underlying, these kind of ideas that were rudimentary of the early black metal scene, I think they kind of grew it into something a little bit more, I guess, mature in a way, you know what I mean? And that, yeah. I think that's when that real transformation occurred. It was like maybe the late nineties, early two thousands, you know? I think so. And I, I, I couldn't agree more on that, especially with those bands. And that's a scene that I really respect and, you know, want to dig deep, three and two when it comes to interviews and stuff in the future, especially bands like Malign from, I've interviewed Watain, but I'd love to interview them again, but I agree. They, they kind of took it to another level. And there's a really interesting kind of thought that I've talked about with a couple of those guys that were there and just a couple of people that, you know, old heads and stuff that have said something about along the lines of, you know, when Bathory came out, let's say the Bathory self-titled album, you know, and um, let's say that teenagers in Norway or Sweden doesn't really matter, but we're in America for that, you know, means heard that. And let's say they're listening, they're a teenager at that time and they're hearing they're younger than Corthon though. And they're hearing those lyrics and they have no idea back then, especially like where that's coming from or even like how serious he is about it or how non-serious or, you know, how deep it can go. So they kind of just take it at face value and then they become more extreme than that generation. And then you kind of go into like, all the kids that heard Gorgoroth, you know, all, you know, those kids that heard Bathory that ended up making stuff like Gorgoroth, Emperor and stuff like that. Then you think, okay, what about the kids that heard that first? So the extremity has been raised. The, the depth has been raised. It's more serious. It's gone deeper. It's some of the stuff became more serious. Obviously now that there was like the whole criminal aspect, you know, and a lot of like grave desecration and stuff like that, that was happening. I mean, that was such a big part of, of, of that kind of, era of it 
And then the stuff gets more serious because stuff just gets taken at face value so often that you get to something like an offer mod or you get to that, you know, early 2000s scene where you know, I I would bet everything I have that those dudes 110% believed every single thing they said. And there was no, nothing for shock value. It was like truly just that was their belief system. And there's something to be respected about that, obviously. But it's interesting to kind of see how like, one led to another, led to another, led to another, where then you have someone like Corthon later on saying, oh, I didn't believe any of that shit. I just said it, you know, to be shocking or whatever like that. So it's like, damn, you know, four generations later, three generations later, you have somebody that is deeply ingrained into the cult that believes everything coming from someone that's now saying that they didn't believe, you know, it's a really interesting evolution. Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting with, like, say, Corthon was that, you know, I do know that he was involved with um, some witchcraft stuff in around the time of like the return. He said that he was kind of involved with that at the time. And I know yeah. that I forget the, I was reading this book about, um, uh, it's about Finnish occultism um, called the uh, light bears of the North. And there's like this crazy Satan, Sat Satanist guy that's in the book. I forget his name, but I guess one of his books was translated in Swedish. And I guess Quarthon had read that and had that inspired some of his, Sat satanic lyrics on the early Bathory as well. But of course, he was also yeah. obviously Bathory is Quarthon is also very influenced by horror movies, you know, like so much of that early, early black metal stuff was very influenced by all those satanic horror movies, you know, and hammer movies and all that kind of stuff. So I think, I think sometimes with Quarthon, he kind of uh, later on is saying that he didn't believe yeah. it, but I think that in the time when he was involved with it, I mean, he does say that he was involved with like witchcraft stuff and sat satanic stuff at the time and making the return. So probably at the time he did believe it, but then he decided he didn't believe it later on in his life. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, as you know, it's so that's, I mean, obviously he made some of the best music ever, uh, at least within the metal genre, but it's, um, you know, the, the mythos around him <laughs> and the mystery that I truly hope maybe never gets fully answered because I mean, that mythos made him so much this like mythological figure more than he even already was. And I think that I don't necessarily believe anything he said, but I also don't really necessarily want to believe anything he said. Cause I just think the way he did it is the way he did it. And it should just be left at that. So I do agree though that, yeah, who knows what he really felt back in the day versus what he said later. Cause he said a lot of crazy shit throughout the years, especially later. Yeah, yeah, you you kind of thing of course on you you kind of have to take some certain things he says as a grain of a grain of salt from what I understand, you know, and I mean I think one of the only people who really knew him ironically was uh uh Chuck uh, what's his name Chuck Keller from Order from Chaos because yeah I watched interviews of him like he did they just did one of uh, he did one with um Nuclear Now his Nuclear Now is starting his podcast and they were talking about his relationship with Quarathon and stuff. He's probably one of the few people who might have an insight into that kind of stuff, but you know, like, um, at yeah. the same time, he, I mean, he didn't get to know him until late eighties, you know, so it was even past the time of the return, you know, it was probably like, I think Bloodfire death or in that period when he got to know Quarathon originally. So. Totally. Yeah. And I think people also get, you know, once someone's gone too, it's hard because I think the people that did know him too, they don't want to, I don't know. You don't want to say something that's going to, that you might perceive to affect someone's legacy or something like that. It's almost just, just to let it be. Yeah.
At least and that's I, the kind of the, the vibe I've gotten from some of those old guys that did know him. Yeah, I definitely got that feeling too. But I feel like um, the thing is that regardless of the, I guess, um, you know, with, with, the, with those old Bathory albums, I mean, they the thing with Corthon brought to it was the, was that kind of seriousness because regardless yep. when you, I you know in my opinion when you put on the first Bathory album for example and compare that to Black Metal by Venom I mean you can kind of tell Venom's got the you know tongue in her cheek you know what I mean where uh, the first Bathory album is like serious sounds very serious you know what I mean it's very like yeah so it's, I mean. You kind of have to take it as it is, you know. I think it, I think it's also one of those situations too, where it's like that's also why art being subjective is so important too, because I think that let's say that Bathory, let's Corthon was just influenced by um, horror movies, and he didn't believe anything he said, and maybe he lied about being involved with occult studies or something like that. And that's just a hypothetical situation. Um, the effect that those albums and especially his words, you know, and the songs themselves had on the bands that came later that did have beliefs, it, it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? It, it influenced those bands in such like a, such a huge way that it's just like, okay, it doesn't, it doesn't matter really whether he believed it or not, because there was still like some type of gnosis to be gained through those, those songs. Yeah. Oh, I, so I've always had this theory that, um, um that there is like that a lot of bands like in, i think quarthon is a really good example of this are people who channel things you know they he's mm. i think a lot of his work is kind of channeled in a way where he's like gets caught up in the energy that he's he's creating and he channels it and it kind of drains him dry in a way so that's why he constantly is like moving shifting like what he's doing you know like and i think that in some way he definitely tapped into some real energies and i've always had this feeling that there's like actually like a real kind of energy behind black metal like this kind of spirit of black metal in a way that is like a real living force that people can tap into and it flows through them you know what i mean and yeah i think it has to be yeah because and i feel like that particularly because at the time it feels very much like there black metal was a kind of um yeah, some type of force that erupted throughout the world, really. You know, I mean, it's no, it's not just like, you know, Quarthon and, you know, Hellhammer, you know, like, and those things like really set the bar rolling, set the ball rolling. But I mean, black metal, this, this energy, this force of black metal, like arose like a volcanic eruption from like everywhere in the world, basically, you know, like there's bands from um you know you just did the whole thing about the brazilian bands you know like on your page and yeah you know there's all these bands in all across europe and you know you got bands like sai from japan and you know all this stuff like it's 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 crazy to think about how this this erupted throughout everywhere but i know like um i'm trying to think of what the word what the i think um jung would say this type of stuff happened because of kind of uh archetypal forces like in the collective unconsciousness like that would like arise but i kind of look at it even like it's just an, an occult level like that there's probably some type of force or entity behind that whole thing which i think some of these bands channeled and tap into and you can feel when bands really tap into it because i feel like there's this kind of connecting link between all these different bands that have the same type of energy you know totally and i, I think 
it's also it's a very difficult situation because um or it's difficult to to look back on especially because like i mean i don't know some people might not know but i'm obviously younger i'm in my uh, late 20s so obviously i was not there um and uh some people will really have a hard line of being like well what the fuck could you know by not being there um i look at it i have obviously a different opinion on it but it's interesting because of the people i've talked to i mean i've talked to so many people that were there i mean i've probably done 50 years interviews that i've published with people that were there during that era and then i probably have at least 50 more that i didn't publish for one reason or another or that are just waiting to be published and the way that people look at things because i always kind of talk about this this uh, subject especially with the, the birth of second wave black metal and you know the eruption of it worldwide and it's really interesting the diverse opinions people have um about it and one kind of interesting thing that I really respect this guy named Thor. Uh, he was the manager of Treldom. Right, grew yeah. up, um, he grew up with those guys way out in the districts of Norway, in the middle of nowhere. New Gaul, since they were like 13 or so. And Infernus grew up around those guys. And he had a, he messaged me a couple months ago and said, said something like that to me. He said, he asked a question. He's like, well, do you think that black metal is a style of music? Do you think that black metal is a is a, a you know a, is metal that is satanic or do you think that black metal is something different? So I kind of sent him this long, thought out answer, and he was just like, "Nope, it's this third answer, and I'll tell you what the fuck it was." He's like, and the way he looked at it was that black metal was simply a rebellion movement against the church and against Christianity, and then from there things sprung out of it, and the and even if Grim He's a, a brilliant person, a really well spoken. It was really interesting to see someone have such a distinct, separate viewpoint. And that's someone that was there. So I really question, you know, I wasn't there. I can just take in what they thought and kind of, I guess, put it in my subconscious about this situation. But it's interesting when you talk to people that were there and that lived through it, you know, they all have a different view on it. And that's why for me, it's really hard for me to say like, well, this is what happened yeah. because not only was I not there, but also I have 15 different versions of events to go <laughs> off of. Yeah. It seems like these broader, the, the broader questions end up being the hardest to answer. And the more niche questions end up being kind of easier. There's normally somewhat of a true answer, but I guess it's kind of like the, you know, like the, there's nothing black or white world somewhere in the middle, I guess, you know? Right. One thing that I always found interesting with like the way that early black metal guys like kind of, I guess, you know, saw, you know, made the defining difference between the different things was, uh, it seemed like a lot of these earlier guys like Euronymous and a lot of the guys from that, in that time period split black metal, not by the sound of the music, but by the, lyrical themes and feeling of the music you know the atmosphere Definitely. like 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 they weren't really too like uh they weren't worried about like black metal sounding a certain way they're worried they're more about okay black metal has to be you know a cult or satanic or have this dark energy to it or whatever you know like and so like a lot of different things could be black metal in their eyes you know what i mean which i kind of i really have grown to kind of land on that perspective as i get older as well of being like 
black metal to me is not just, you know, just because you have trend picking and the sound qualities of black metal doesn't make your music black metal, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, and I might sound, I might piss some people off, but it's just the truth. Like, you know, like to me, it's not just the sound, it's the whole energy and intent and, and intent and lyrical themes and all that kind of stuff that really makes something black metal, in my opinion, which I guess is closer to what a lot of those guys seem to think back then, right? 100%. I think that's, that's been something I've put thought, I mean, hundreds of hours of thought into just because it was something that really changed, you know, with a paradigm shift of my thinking on it, especially we, it all kind of started, I was reading old, some old magazines I have and um, Euronymous obviously was known for having that type of thinking, like you said, where it's like, if it's satanic metal, that's black metal. If it's metal about death and gore, that is death metal, you know? Yeah. But then I was reading something like, it was like a, a Bertram interview from, so said that weird Burzum interview from 93 or something like that. Or no, 92, maybe. You and said it like saying, the Norwegians do. They always say Burtzum. <laughs> I know. It was on accident, too. I, I actually, I can't roll my R's, so I always have trouble like, trying to pronounce stuff, but I kind of said it weird. Uh, apologies. Yeah, you said it like the Norwegians do, so it's... A... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it kind of kind of works. Um, he, uh, he says in an interview, he's like, and obviously it's him being like we were kind of saying being a little bit arrogant being a little bit kind of you know like he was in interviews a lot but he's like there's five real black metal bands in the fucking world it's burzum mayhem samael uh burzum mayhem samael uh one other one <laughs> which ovan and deicide right <laughs> <laughs> and that's the to, to him that was the five black metal bands in the world <laughs> and I think that fucking, even if like, even if he was saying it tongue in cheek, which I don't know, even if he was being, you know, maybe saying it just to get a reaction, I'm not sure, but I definitely think that it's, it's telling. And, uh, but then that gets into a hard situation because as time went on, I think that was true in 91 or 92, but I don't know to say that immortal isn't a black metal band is hard. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of one of those things that, I mean, immortal didn't consider them so black metal band. They considered them. Holocaust metal, yeah. you know what I mean? So true because of that reason, because they weren't satanic in the cult. So that's why yeah. there's some of those things that happen. And I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of landing on that more and more. I mean, like, uh, you know, in my head, a lot of ways I see morbid angels, more of a black metal band or DSI as a black metal band. You know what I mean? Like I did my top 10 death metal list included those bands in that list just to make it easier for me to do my black metal list. You know what I mean? But in my head, like a lot of those bands are more, you know, even incantation in a lot of ways is more of a black metal band to me and their lyrical themes and the vibe and stuff, right? You know, it's like, uh, it's kind of where I land on. I mean, my friend, we just did the top black metal list. My friend put Deicide in his top 10 and then, you know, he felt like Deicide's yeah. more of a black metal band and their, their, the feeling of it. So, you know, just, I, which I can, I have no problem with because in a lot of ways, they're kind of like, I, I guess I'm kind of advocating more for a return to that kind of mindset as opposed to, labeling stuff off of the sound because that's mm -hmm. really what's going happens nowadays is everyone labels music based off of the sound of it but not the core of it the spirit of it you mm -hmm. know and um i don't know i think that it's important to get back to that because i think right now we have so many bands that are walking around calling themselves black metal that have nothing to do with black metal they're just copying this the the outward sound of black metal you know what i mean mm -hmm. and and so they think they can call themselves black metal for that reason, you know? And so it's like, I don't know for me, it bothers me because I'm like, 
do what you want. Like, I don't care, but I just think that we need to get a little bit more. I think we need to go back to more of this old school, early nineties viewpoint on, uh, on what's what, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think it's hard. I think that part that's my gut instincts too, is to kind of go like, okay, we need to return to this type of thinking because I think that it just makes the most sense. Um, it gets difficult. There's a couple bands that like within that get difficult to like, kind of be like, okay, well then what the, like, then you start having to think to yourself, like, okay, well then what the fuck genre is this? And then like, you st- obviously like, I think that the dark metal genre has gotten a weird kind of a uh, stigma to it a little bit, or it just got like, it stopped being used kind of. And then now if you say it, people don't really know what you're talking about. But I think that that was kind of a, a label that, was kind of important in the nineties. It yeah. wasn't important as like people being like, Oh, I'm into dark metal, but more so just bands that were trying to be honest with themselves and saying like, we are not satanic, but we make this type of music that you might classify as black metal, but they kind of respected people from a satanic perspective and didn't want to call themselves that. So obviously bands like Bethlehem, of course, but then also bands like obtained enslavement called themselves um, dark metal, but now they are, considered black metal i mean and even i said oh tennessee is my favorite black metal band but they didn't consider themselves black metal either so it's kind of interesting in that perspective to look back on bands and kind of think about that but i don't know i I think that another thing like you were saying about modern bands that are um calling their stuff black metal as well is that i also kind of go back to something you know corthon said that people obviously quote a lot which is that you know whether he was saying this later or earlier, it doesn't really matter, but he always talks about like his music was just about the dark side of life and things like that. And, you know, writing from, you know, that perspective of the dark side of life. And I, I can almost say that like, I'm more interested in black metal being purpose driven music from a dark side, from a dark perspective than even having it being like this can only be satanic for for a couple of reasons for one because saying that you are satanic or satanic black metal i mean that could mean so many different things you could be into you know current 213 or you could be into anton levey and you know you could still consider yourself a satanist on both or you could be you know into you know you know, all the arcanum type of, you know, core two type of Satanism and stuff like that. There's so many different schools of it. And then there's also people that just called themselves Satanism, but they didn't even ever talk about what, what school of thought they were coming from. So that's why for me, it's almost more important. I would rather hear somebody talk about something that they truly had a belief in than just these people that fucking cosplay for black metal. You know, they want to put corpse paint on and they want to write, you know, they want to write lyrics that sound fun, to, but you might as well just be playing D and D because they're just making the whole thing up. They have no, they're not writing about any true experience. It's just all to fit a mold. So I guess I would be more interested in just seeing people that are coming at it from a purpose driven direction than necessarily saying, Oh, it has to be satanic because I would rather hear someone talk about something that they truly believe and they feel with like every you know fiber of their being than hear someone say like, I don't know, then some Anton LaVey Satanism band. Right. Well, I, if that I, makes sense. No, I agree with you. I mean, I've had this conversation with, um, with, uh, 
I did a with my friend Ralph from the band Olsa where um, we're talking about like I was talking about like for me the uh, underlying essential element of black metal to me is the darkness like that dark energy of the music yeah. it's not necessarily has to be satanic or occult to be black metal in my opinion but it has to have that dark energy to it you know 100%. Um, so you know like there's some bands that you know don't have that occult stuff going on or whatever but they still got the real dark energy that still ties in with black metal in a lot of ways right so yeah. to me that's like the underlying thing if, to me like if it's not doesn't have that darkness it's not doesn't have any you know or doesn't have that that energy to it then it's not black metal you know and like yeah so i wouldn't and i to me like particularly with like the satanic side of stuff already occult side of black metal i feel like at this point in time in 2023 there's really no excuse to be writing that kind of stuff and not knowing not actually like practicing it or believing it you know what i mean unless you're i guess unless you're trying to do some type of horror movie type of inspired black metal i guess is what, like the one exception maybe but like if you're trying to do like some 80s worship stuff you know that's kind of like more horror movie and i can give that a pass because there's a purpose behind it but just in general like you know if you're a band and you're just trying to do satanic lyrics just to fit in or something like that like there's no real excuse for that at this point because you know there's plenty of things out there that can you can um learn about in the whole pro whole thing and i don't know i just feel like that you should be like for real about it if you're going to be talking about that kind of stuff you know what i mean i definitely think so too and i think that that i mean i don't know if you look at the landscape of like what i guess you would call modern black metal these days um i from my perspective i kind of think that statism as a topic is kind of at an all-time low for new bands which might sound kind of like a good thing first because you know, there was that early two or mid two thousands, you know, post post vice black metal kind of era where everything was just like, you know, shitty regurgitated satanic lyrics and the whole fucking like it all got memeified and the whole fucking I mean, as much as I do respect Gaul, the whole Gaul with the wine glass became the meme and the whole fucking thing and there's all these joke bands and everything got satirical. And obviously that had been a thing for a while but especially in the that, that mid-2000s with the internet culture and stuff rising that became such a thing that i think that people got kind of repulsed or you know away from the whole satanism as a theme but now it's almost no better is this modern you go on Bandcamp and you type in like uh black metal and look up all the releases that get you know put as black metal and now it's just like i don't know what's worse someone talking about some Satanism they don't believe or someone talking about fucking some other bullshit they don't believe Yeah, over the same shitty regurgitated riffs. I don't really think one's better than the other. No. There, you know, I guess, I guess <laughs> it's all like, kind of useless. I guess like was that like the, if you're gonna, if I'm gonna have to choose, I guess I'd choose a band like doing the sat Satanism stuff because at least it's black metal. Like what I, what frustrates me now is seeing bands call themselves black metal and there's nothing dark or, yeah, you know, <laughs> any or there's when your music is neither black nor metal you can't call yourself black metal but there's like a lot of bands doing that right now you know what i mean because they just like do trem riffs and they're like oh that makes us black metal right like no it doesn't make you black metal yeah. just doing some fucking trem riffs you know what i mean <laughs> totally i don't i don't know and there's the funny part about it is i'm like i have i have such um uh, i have such a wide music taste i love so many different types of metal i love so many different types of music all different types of 
I mean, a lot of different types of music. I don't know. I, I don't want to be the person that's like, I listen to everything, but you know, whatever. I listen to a lot of different types of music. And it's funny because I just don't know why people can't just say like, this is just, is what it is. Yeah. yeah look at like a, a band, like the, uh, those, the Nidrosian guys have that band of Ahmad, you know, and that has tremolo picking that has blast beats that has some lo-fi production, but they're not calling that black metal because the songs aren't about, you know, anything satanic you know, or I guess not overtly satanic, but you know, they have the, they have the wherewithal and the awareness to be like, this is not, we're not going to be out here calling this black metal. We're just going to call it what it is or just put it out there without a, without a label. Yeah. It's because the Nidrosian guys know what black metal is is supposed to be. I mean, they're like, they're like one of the bastions of real black metal today. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. In in my opinion, for sure. To me, to me, that's like one of the most, um, one of the, the the pinnacle of it at this point there is other places in the world you know especially with some of the guys around their same age that have a, a good perspective on it but uh finding a group of bands or even a band younger than them that have that same understanding reverence and actual purpose put into like what goes behind the music is really fucking hard to find yeah, and, uh, something that I was thinking about was like, you know, like, you know, I'm a little older than you, I was, you know, grew up 36. So I was like, came okay. up in the early 2000s, right? And it's like, yeah, that, um, like, you know, I started making music around the same time. I mean, I think the guys in the Rosen scene are a little bit older than me. They're like more like Nas's age, like early 40s, probably at this point. But like, yeah. you know, I still, I made music, started making music around the same time as them and nos and stuff and it's like i feel like like that generation down to like probably around your age like your like like your age like was um people still kind of got what black metal was supposed to be and i kind of like worried that maybe some of these younger people in their 20s don't understand what black metal is because it's been so kind of muddied by all the hipster bands and stuff over the past 10 years you know what i mean like that kind 100%. of arose because when i got when I, when we got in black metal it was like um, you know, it wasn't like uh, it was. It was still pretty underground in a lot of ways, right? And it was still like yeah. I mean, you still had Demi Borgir and Cradle Filth something bigger, but you were like in a position where I mean, a lot of other metal people just made fun of you if you like black metal. You know, like I can't. I had to so many. T- I used to like be really antagonistic towards a lot of death metal people because like you know, you're getting fights on the internet and stuff with these death metal guys trying to make fun of black metal and whatever. You know what I mean? Like it was like. Yeah, Fine, you don't get it. Whatever, I don't care. But like, I don't know. I feel like like after the kind of um, entrance of like all the kind of hipster, crust punk people and all that kind of stuff, and like the, I guess mid, I don't know, post wolves and throne him. You know what I mean? I feel like mm-hmm. that. I feel like the the whole thing's kind of been kind of muddied. So you have like a whole generation of people who are who are in their twenties who I maybe don't quite understand what black metal is supposed to is and isn't. You know and you know, they're, yeah. I think that's probably one of the things that, I don't know. Like, I mean, I just, uh, I, I, my biggest thing is like black metal is not supposed to be a, um, a, a nice, nice thing. You know, it's not supposed to be like yeah. approachable or it's not, it's not for everybody. You know, black metal is elitist in a lot of ways. You know, it doesn't, yeah. this kind of egalitarian type of stuff that a lot of people are in to in the younger generations is like the opposite of black metal, you know? And it's totally, like, which we is, shouldn't, 
have those things being forced on the black middle, in my opinion, you know? Uh, 100%. I think it's it's hard because people want to, I mean, so often people want to put their own morals onto it or they want it to fit their, they want it to fit their morals, you know? And I think that there's some bands you can even see, like certain bands um, or certain groups of bands that have become immensely popular within the past 10 that, you know, that kind of generation you're talking about maybe 30, 30 and down um, just because of <laughs> their politics, you know, they've become, they've, they've been like this generation of people, you know, they want black metal to fit their morals. And then when they find out that, um, you know, that, it, that it doesn't, they'll find someone on the outside of black metal and they'll go, oh, this fits my morals. Okay, this is the band we champion. Even even if it's a band that I like, let's say Summoning or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that so much of Summoning's, obviously Summoning wasn't an incredible act. Maybe still is because they still make albums. But I also think that once that gener- that hipster kind of, you know, millennial generation found out that they were like, quote unquote, not sketch in their, in their to, to fit their morals, once they realize they fit their morals, all of a sudden that band becomes the greatest band of all time. Right. Where it's like, okay. Um, and maybe that's not a bad thing. Cause that is a great band. It's not like they're horrible or shit. You know, they made some groundbreaking shit. Yeah. But um, I think it's interesting. It's still an interesting, like to look at it from that position. Cause I agree with you. I don't think that I don't, I don't think it should fit anyone. I don't think anyone should try to apply their morals to it. I, I, black metal to me is like amoral in a way it's it's, yeah. anti, it's anti-moral it's like it's to my opinion it should not be political it shouldn't be moral stuff it's it's got to be free and it's transgressive music you know totally i almost yeah i would almost i agree i think it should be amoral and kind of outside of anyone's morals which is why um it's kind of funny you look back on this um i've always kind of enjoyed because you know, people obviously politics is such a fucking hard thing within metal and i people have gotten really mad at me on the page over the over the years because i'll post um things that i think are historically important bands i like and stuff like that and people go oh you shouldn't post this etc um even some bands i've interviewed and such but uh i don't know i think there's different you can look at things from all certain ways one kind of funny thing i saw recently that i was laughing at was um the guys from Watain had a zine in the late nineties, early two thousands. I only made a couple, a couple issues of it. Yeah. But they had a, they had a, a big, like the, when you would open it up, they had a page that had like, had this thing that basically said like, fuck NS black metal. And I was kind of surprised to see that coming from Watain, not because I think that they're NS, but just because I surprised to see like a, a hard stance like that, like, like in the thing. But then I read below it and it was like, national socialism wants a great life for their kids we want death for all what do you (laughs) want a white picket fence or something like that like it was something that was just really funny where it was like (laughs) totally totally amoral you know what i mean just Mm -hmm. like fuck everything misanthropic fuck the world oh you want something good we want good for nobody and i thought that was a really cool kind of way to look at it where it just obviously misanthropy has been a big thing within black metal since the beginning but that way of being like, I don't want good for this. I don't want good for that. I want everything to be fucked. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Even if I don't agree, it's an interesting way they did. They looked at it. Yeah. 
No, it's kind of actually part of the way I, I, I've always found NS black metal to be kind of, kind of silly in a way, because I've always found that like, you know, the ideas of national socialism and ideas of black metal don't really work together in a lot of ways because like, Agreed. you know, and on top of that, you know, the Nazis would have hated black metal it would have been like, it would have been degenerate art to them. You know, they would have been, if you're making this kind of music and the Nazis took power, you would have been straight to the fucking concentration camps. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was not like, so I always found it kind of ironic. I mean, I know that a lot of those bands just doing that to push buttons or, you know, to be offensive or whatever. Some of them got actually involved. And that's partly because you had much like on the left side, you have, you know, the kind of like, there's that group of people who want to try to turn any kind of music into like their political, the far left and far right both like tried to use music as some type of push their political messages and stuff. So I think you had people who were trying to push that into the black metal world to try to spread that their like political ideas and whatever. But to me, and then you had guys kind of accept it either because they want to be offensive or, you know, maybe they liked it or something. I don't know. But like, I, um, I kind of feel like black metal is, is, yeah, is kind of against a lot of that kind of stuff. Cause yeah, it's like what, what Tanner's saying. It's like, you know, it's not about making life better for everybody or whatever, you know, like black metal is very <laughs> like, um, uh, anti-human in a lot of ways, you know, like, I, yeah, I agree. I think it's, I think it's funny too. Cause I also think that, I don't know, some, sometimes when I hear like, when I hear like, uh, or if I look at like lyrics for, let's say a leftist black metal band or a right wing or an NS black metal band. Sometimes it just seems too of this world and of the modern world to where there's like nothing spiritual about this. Yeah, <laughs> You exactly. might as well fucking, to me, I always kind of joke with friends. It's like, well, you might as well make fucking black metal about doing your taxes because yeah. <laughs> it's just very, just like, I don't know. I deal, I deal with the real fucking world out there. If, if your black metal lyrics are like the same topics that are being talked about on, on, you know, the news, whether it's CNN or Fox or whatever the fucking news is, I don't care what side. That's just like incredibly boring to me. Yeah. Personally. I never, I'm kind of like anti politics and black and white. I kind of like take, I don't, I don't like politics and music, period. That was like a big Same. thing of why I never really got deep into punk world because, you know, I like the misfits, you know, like that kind yeah. of stuff. Like, but I was like, I was turned off by the politics. I just feel like it's it's boring. I mean, I don't want to listen to music about politics. Oh. It's just like, I don't give a fuck. You know, like I want to listen to music yeah. about deeper, deeper types of things, spiritual things, mythological things, you know, even, even some of the kind of fantastical elements of certain, some bands, you know, like um, to me, like, um, or if you're going to talk about the real world, I'm more into maybe the way Primordial does where he talks about history, stuff like that you know, can be interesting, but I'm not into, oh, let's write about our political agenda and try to push that on. And I, I really find it frustrating to the whole idea of like trying, having to bow down to one side's political agenda just because they like want to try to cancel you or something if you don't agree with them, you know, because I just, I think it's idiotic, you know, particularly like, I don't know, like um, in the terms of black metal, like, you know, like, there's bands like, you know, like Graveland, for example. I love old Graveland, like their black metal era. I think it's Same. quintessential black metal, you know? I mean, granted, he did go down, you know, the political route, but I think his music's always kind of not been very political, you know? Like, I don't see yeah. politics in Carpathian Wolves, you know what I mean? So I don't really, totally. I don't really see, like, what the problem is, you know what I mean? Like, like with that kind of stuff, you know, like, 
because yeah. I kind of also separate those things. If, if, if the artist is separating them, then I separate it because I'm like, I judge the art by what it is. So it's like, I don't, in a way, like I don't really care what the person's politics are in their daily life. If their music's about, not about the politics at all. Right. You know, like yeah. Toy winter or Carpathian wolves or something like that is pure black metal, you know, where Burzum's old Burzum stuff, like Varg kept his politics out of his black metal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So they should be judged for what the piece of art is and not what the person believes outside of they're making their art, you know? Yeah, and I think that also denying something because of a personal belief is also kind of a slippery slope when it comes to a certain types of things like that, especially even when it comes to enjoying something or finding something within something. Um just because you disagree with something on your personal, I mean, everyone's free to have their personal opinions and their personal beliefs, but to say like, this is not good music because the person was a bad person in your, in your, you know, from your opinion, whether or not I agree with it or not, it's kind of stupid. You know what I mean? Because some of those, you know, some of the best, you know, raw simplistic black metal, well, not really simplistic, but simplistic sounding at first black metal recordings ever, in my opinion, are those Blazeworth Hall albums, you know, yeah. Forrest and Branicald. 100%. And um, I had no idea for fucking years. I never saw pictures of them or anything. I just had like the MP3s. And then even when I got the CDs on some of them, there was nothing I could tell right away that would say that they were NS or anything like that. But obviously, once I looked it up and stuff like that, you find it. But I mean, like, anything I believe aside, hearing those songs had nothing to do with anything <laughs> yeah not only is it a different language but also like just the music itself had so much depth to it it's to say that that's bad because i would disagree with their personal beliefs is is just kind of stupid in my opinion exactly i agree and that's the same way i found out about Branicald and forest particularly forest is like probably my favorite out but i because it all became like like i mean one of my favorite musically like one of my favorite things in black metal you know very important influential thing on me for a certain side of what i make in black metal and um even with graveland i didn't know anything about you know their politics whatever same thing with the Blazeworth hall like i've just found the music and you know like when you i had i got the tapes and you know it's just like you know forest with like a raven flying over it you know and it has this type of thing yeah. and 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 reality is that like that you're you're responding to, just because they have just political beliefs also doesn't necessarily mean that their music is invalid like right like it's like they're tapping yeah. into something real and, and powerful in their music and it's like sometimes that that because they're also music coming from a spiritual angle there's really only the last releases of brand the last album of brand called and the last album of forest are only like more political yeah things that they did you know like all that older stuff was more spiritual and dealing with a lot of deeper stuff than that you know what i mean that i think resonates on a real deep level and so to me it's like you know i'm not going to apologize for liking you know the blaze roof all i'm not going to apologize for liking graveland or valleys or whatever you know it's like it's like quintessential in that type of black metal you know i mean i i would say the same i think it's it's only fair to say the same for the other side too though you know what i mean Mm-hmm. The people, the people, um, supposedly, like I said, in summoning, were you know, pretty leftist people, you know, and 
I fucking loved some of those albums. And I think that they were really inspired, obviously coming from a totally different uh, place than the Blaze Berthal stuff. But again, the music and the even the lyrics and stuff had nothing to do with that. Yeah. So exactly. if someone's like finding something, if they're tapping into something that I find to, that I can find inspiration in or that I find to be interesting, like I'm going to be interested in that, especially if it has nothing to do with it, like both, like both summoning and Blaze Birth Hall, uh, uh, those last few albums, sure, but those early albums, the lyrics aren't even about that. So, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's all I feel like. Um, I don't, like I said, I, and the, for the most part, like, I honestly don't give two fucks what somebody's politics are if they're not making it my concern. If they're not writing about it in their lyrics, yeah, then I don't, I don't care. It has no bearing on my relationship with their music at all, in my opinion, because if, unless they're like, writing it into their music they can be left or right or somewhere in between or whatever i don't give a fuck because i don't really give a fuck about politics you know what i mean like yeah. all i know is that i don't really want to listen to music just talking about politics you know what i mean 100 <laughs> percent. and i think it's a, it's just it's hard too because i sometimes i feel like i have a hard time relating with people especially when it comes to younger people people my age or younger because I guess I, I live a very different life than they do. You know, I, I live way out here in the woods. I, I work pretty much alone. Uh, I do have like my girlfriend I live with, but like, other than that, like I live far away from all my friends. I live far away from a lot of people. So on a day to day basis, like none of this really, like this type of stuff doesn't really affect me. And I think that some people, they live so in the world or in the modern world, like, so they're so enraptured by it or they're around people all the time that have, thoughts and stuff like that but i don't know sometimes i just kind of feel like i can't relate to the way people look at stuff because i just live a very different life than they do and it wouldn't it doesn't really affect me on a day-to-day basis if i'm listening to this or listening to this where for them they might have to in their perspective like oh well i can't be seen listening to this because someone might see me or might might be like this you know what i mean and i think that that perspective can get lost just because you know people have very different lives yeah, I look at it kind of like um, I remember finding a lot of uh, finding kind of funny and even the black metal scene, you know, early 2000s, something like where you can't like certain bands or whatever, you know, because, oh, because, you know, particularly in the two, early 2000s, like, oh, you can't like Cradle Filth or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I just feel like I like what I like, you know, like, and um, I think that kowtowing to some scene pressure it's probably the most fucking sheep-like thing that you could do. So I always found it funny because you have these guys walking around like acting like uh, tough guy wolf got wolves, and they're like worrying about what 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 they're listening to, so they don't seem like cult enough or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that was a real thing that you see, and yeah. it's still kind of the same way now, but in maybe some different ways. Where you're like, oh, I can't be seen like listening to this because then somebody will think I'm whatever racist or something. You know, like that's like a thing now. But it's still the same type of like, you know, pre- being giving into pressure from from some type of like scene or some type of like, uh, you know, peer group or something, which I always find kind of funny because I'm like, you're supposed to be some type of individual and be an individual. Don't be worrying about what other people think about you so much, you know, a hundred percent. I mean, that's like, I mean, for, for me personally, that's one of the basis of the things I kind of live by is just fucking being yourself and you know always questioning you know am i doing this because it's something i want to do or because 
and something I feel I should do. And, you know, the importance of having that individuality within everything you do is like such an important part of my life that I think about so often. So yeah, to think to, for someone to be like, oh, you can't like this because blah, blah, blah is, is so funny. And also the amount that people kind of lie to try to look cool within the quote unquote black metal scene is hilarious too, only because it's like, uh, for instance, like for my age group, the way I got into black metal, you know, it was that kind of mid two thousands vice, you know, Peter best book, the Gorgoroth documentary on VH one ended up being later on vice or whatever. Yeah. That was the first shit I saw. I mean, the first time I heard black metal was in a, a skateboarding video, creature skateboards, uh, born dead video uh in the black metal video and uh things like that and then like people talk shit about that era of black metal all the time like oh you, you're just a blah, blah blah blank insert blank here but it's also a situation where it's like i think that you know generalizing somebody because of where they started is kind of stupid because people can take different paths from any different starting point and sure there could be like a lot of people that started there that just went into a very satirical meme oriented version of black metal but that hasn't been my path personally and i think uh i think that it's definitely interesting to see people try to be like oh i've been into black metal since day one or i've been into black metal since i was this young age or you know things like that and obviously i understand why people do that because nowadays there's a lot of people that are like 32 34 year old dudes that are like about to about to start my fucking black metal project you know what i mean like just mm -hmm. getting to it. But at the same point, I also kind of feel like, I don't know. I'd rather hear if that person is super fucking inspired by an actual belief and wants to write music that comes from a real place about an actual belief and about something that has purpose. I'd rather hear that than some fucking dude that just makes a million demos and he has been for 20 years and they all suck. Even if he's some old school dude. So right. I don't know, yeah. that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah, because you have those guys who we sold his stuff and they've been doing it forever and it's like not very good, you know. Like <laughs> yeah. you, you gotta come you gotta commend them for for the I don't know, for keeping it going, I guess. Like or you know, I don't have that type of drive, I guess. Uh, you know, but people do it for different reasons. Not everyone's doing stuff just for, you know money or you know attention yeah yeah i look at like for me what's important is less like when somebody got into black metal or how long they've been into it but more like um how serious they are about it you know totally. so i always give that you know like you said if they have purpose or drive and they're serious and and they take it they take it seriously like they have respect for the genre yeah. that's a real big thing for me like um is have respect for it you know like I've never yeah, been too comfortable 100%. with like the kind of, you know, mockery of black metal and stuff that you saw a lot and, you know, like people making fun of the genre and um, people making black metal or make fun of the genre because they're like, they're making fun of like, you know, you see that sometimes where these kind of hipstery type people like kind of make fun of the genre, even while they're trying to make bla supposed black metal, you know, like I'm not down with that. I mean, it's like, if, for yeah. me, it, it needs to be treated with respect because it's a serious, like, spiritual art form, in my opinion, you know, and it needs to be treated totally. as such, I, you know? I kind of feel like, at least from my perspective, once I had had 
you know, because when you're young and when you get into something and it's so much different than something you've seen before, especially in my generation where like, you know, you know, when I was a kid um, and I saw, you know, those documentaries or those pictures, it was so shocking. And at first it might've been kind of like funny because the maybe let's say the first photo I saw of a black and artist was a bath and he's making some weird face. I don't know if it was, but you know, just, just to say that that's a lot different than buying, you know, Day Mysterious on CD in 93 and seeing those promo photos, you know, there was already something different by then, by the 2000s. So like, I can acknowledge that, but at the same point, I think that once you have some type of um, powerful experience with black metal, whether it's alone in your room, listening to it uh, at a, let's say it's a live gig or something like that. Once you have that type of powerful experience, that kind of is a paradigm shift for you. And I don't understand how you could therefore be like, can, at least for me, once I had that, I couldn't go back to the seeing the funny of it. Yeah. It, it really wasn't funny to me anymore um, once I had had that experience. So I think a lot of people that do kind of toe that line between like, I'm a black metal musician, but I also run a black metal meme page or something like that. I think I'm not, I'm not to say that one is better than the other, but I just kind of think of that as a totally different black metal than what <laughs> I am interested in. Yeah. It's almost just a, I have an article about that in the next issue. That'll be an issue. Um, uh, what do I have now? Issue seven mm. about how through the years and uh, especially in the 2000 or in the late nineties to the two thousands, especially like kind of post second wave black metal, uh, black metal split into kind of two different things. So there'll be a big article on that, which is something that I've been really pondering a lot lately, just because, you know, the differences between say something like offer mod and something like, I don't know, something you'd see on Bandcamp now, you know, how did that happen? Yeah, something that I thought about a lot too actually recently has come up in some of the podcast episodes is that I kind of feel like that the black metal world is kind of split into two. Yeah. Where you have the people who are like for real and serious about it and still like tied to the old school way of, of black metal, you know. And then you got this other kind of counter scene in a way that's totally different. And it's like almost like more human. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's more like... A, yeah. It's more like normal. It's like people talking about normal. You know, they're not really. It's not really black metal per se, but it's like yeah. it's kind of like the. I guess I, I would call it almost like the hipster side of black metal or something. But they're almost like two separate things that they don't really interact with each other, particularly in any real way. You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, look at their labels. I mean, there's 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 quote unquote black metal labels, especially in America, but other places as well, that only cater to those type of bands. And they only release those type of bands and they, and they sell out their cassettes and their vinyl even and shit like that. And those people like, you know, I'll run into it on Instagram sometimes just because people comment stupid shit on my shit all the time. And you'll look at their profiles and I'm just scrolling down someone's profile. It's, it's one of those record guys that just posts records and CDs. And I don't know a single one of these fucking bands and they're all quote unquote black metal <laughs> releases. <laughs> and you look at the labels. I don't know the label. I don't know any of this shit. And you look further into it and they're, they're all selling. And then you kind of go through all these pages and you realize like none of these dudes even fucking know celestial bloodshed, you know, normal. I've, I can't never say that, but like the, the 
the Barbara, you know, evangelum like, diaboli stuff yeah yeah my, I'm, i get tongue twisted easily but yeah like they, <laughs> yeah. they don't know any of those bands you know they're not they don't they're not interested in titan blood or mysterium stuff like that and it's insane to think that both of those could be considered black metal when it's like it is two different completely different scenes that don't interact with each other at all in my opinion i mean i'm just being i mean they're not really black metal in my opinion like that what they're doing no. is not has nothing to do with black metal it's like it's like the, that's what i was talking about with bands calling themselves black metal when they just have the sound of black metal but has but what what they're doing has nothing to do with black metal it doesn't have the darkness no. doesn't have the seriousness or the spirituality or any of that kind of stuff it's like this whole totally different thing that doesn't have anything to do with black metal in my opinion you know it's like 100 i don't know like i i mean i don't i can't I don't really interact like i don't interact with that world at all you know like i see these things you know these types of bands and stuff like that but it's like i'm very firmly in the other world you know what i mean like, <laughs> oh, like that's, not... the, that's the blessing the blessing and the curse of running the fucking instagram page is that i'm like i try to interact with that as little as possible i pre-make my posts they go up you know so i don't have to deal with it and shit but i still um, like any fucking person living in this modern world, I'm somewhat addicted to my phone and, you know, in notifications come up and you look at them and shit. Yeah. And yeah, to, I try to keep away from anything that's not the shit I'm interested in, but it pokes its head out, you know, I, sometimes. And I feel like these people need to maybe get a history lesson so they understand why they're not making black metal. <laughs> you know, like they, they should be looking at page yeah. and be like, oh, like, this is not what we're doing. Like, and you're like, be like, yeah, and this is what black metal is you're doing is not black metal you know what i mean like if you're not like i don't know maybe that's just that kind of that's definitely the the kind of mindset i have you know like uh just to me that yeah. that that side of stuff is not black metal because it's like it doesn't have any relationship with what say you're posting about you write about your you know in your zine and stuff like that like that to me is like black metal and the yeah. world of black metal that's the world of black metal i grew up with you know what i mean from like when i got into it as a teenager this is what black metal is for me with this other thing that arose i don't really understand how people are calling it black metal but i think it's only because of the way that people uh, separate stuff by sound as opposed to the soul of stuff you know what i mean i think the other part of it that's the most depressing part of like the whole situation to me at least or it's maybe not depressing but it's just i don't know it makes me just fucking crazy sometimes is the whole how popular the aesthetic of black metal is compared to anything else? Um, you know, I've I've never run a sponsored ad on the Instagram page. I've never done any. I've never done anything on the Instagram page other than make the posts. Right. And when I was maybe under like when I had a couple thousand followers or something like that early on, I did a couple giveaways, but that was more just because my room is my house is just full of shit, and I'm just trying to give some shit away. But I haven't done that said in probably three years so other than that and just making my posts i've never advertised or done anything so any people that have followed me they've just followed me because of uh, i don't know because they want to i thought in my head is because they're interested in the bands the music the history the shit i'm interested in but the depressing part about it is that so such a large part of the people that follow me on instagram are only interested in the photos and how the photos look Really? Because for because for instance, I've just I've done a lot of ex not experience, but it's like over the time you just take in information. 
So at first I kind of thought it was, oh, people only care about um, posts of bands they know. That was my first thought, right? So it's like, okay, if I post an Emperor post, people will like that. And if I post a Verathrin or, you know, Zephyrus post, people won't like that as much or won't care as much. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. But then I started to realize that it was literally just like if these people thought the corpse paint looked cool. <laughs> so they could repost it on their story and be like, oh, fucking awesome. You know what I mean? And then once I started doing the zine and realizing how many people bought the zine compared to how many people liked each post or followed or something like that, it became kind of, I got really fucking down on the page for a long time because of that. Because I was like, well, fuck, do I just, am I just catering to a bunch of people that want to see corpse paint photos? That's just fucking the antithesis of why I do this. Right. But then there's like some maniacs out there like you and other people, you know, that actually appreciate the history. And that's why I do it. Even if it's like one hundredth of the amount of people that follow me, but I can't control that. Yeah. You can't really control that. And I mean, I think what you're doing is great. I mean, I think that it's important to document the history. I I really love it when you do the posts with like the, the, your zine collection that you have, like where if like the, the interview, old interviews and stuff like, Cause it's cool. Like I like to, I like to like pull it up and like read it as much as I can, like in a little, little picture and stuff, you know, cause it's cool. And like, um, yeah. But one thing I also like is when you post stuff and it's like, you show the reality of a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys also weren't necessarily looking the coolest, you know, corpse painted guys, you know, some of them kind of dorky, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I think that's, oh, I think that's like, yeah. kind of, you know, that's also valuable to be like, no, like these guys are, more about the music a lot of times like, and it was the image too but you know you can also have these pictures of them like in the studio recording or something and you're like you know they don't look very they don't look very dark and grim at all but that's you know that's part of part of the thing you know <laughs> yeah and i definitely have i've had you know i've had some reservations about some of those and there's even some photos i haven't posted because it's almost like what is this really show you know or like, you know, photos of fucking Dark Funeral, but they're like, I, I don't know. They're like the dudes playing the guitar with like naked or something like that. It's like, that was just a photo that was taken that even though it's kind of funny, it's like, what does this actually show about it? Yeah. So like, I've, I've hesitated to post stuff like that just because I don't want it to be like a meme. Or not that I don't want it to be a meme, but I don't want to be like, everyone black metal, everyone laugh now. This is funny. But more so, I do like to post like you're saying, kind of shots that are just the reality of the situation, you know, Emperor on their UK tour in 93 and someone's mom is at the table with them. Yeah. Like, I think that's like really interesting to think. Yeah. It's <laughs> just, it, it just shows the kind of the real side of things sometimes, you know, which is, which is cool as well. But then, you know, but then you also post the cool, you know, promo pictures that they get, they took. And one thing I like is you post, you know, bands that are, um, that I like that I think are underrated. Like I know you posted like the Nostron stuff a while back, which I really oh, yeah. appreciate because I'm a big fan of them or, you know, uh, the Svartzen stuff. I remember you posted one of Svartzen and you had like the old like zine interview of Svartzen from back in the nineties, which was really cool. Cause I never seen, seen that at all. You know, that's, that's a great band that no one fucking gives a fuck about. At least, at least these days, uh, yeah. man, I mean, his, his majesty, that album, yeah, to me that album is like top. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that uh, that album and uh, Destruction of Man. That that's one I put on my top twenty list is Destruction of Man because. Oh yeah, I remember that. I actually just watched that video recently. 
yeah of your yeah. of your uh, top 20 black metal right yeah that 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 album as far as in, in general is you know just a great band what you know and they're they're like a part of the black metal thing where it's like just part of what makes it great is just the songwriting and the whole mm-hmm. feeling of it because it's so basic in a lot of ways you know it's just guitar bass drums vocals but it just like yeah. it has so much going on in his music and it's so unique and original and the songwriting is so cool you know it's like there's nothing like him and it's like more people need to know Svartsen, you know i agree i think a lot of people i think there's a lot of swedish stuff that people um kind of like we said before certain sects of people hold up that late 90s swedish scene as being like as good as you know early 90s scandinavia and then some people are just totally ignorant about it even though they even though they you know worship early birds and mayhem and such you know what i mean yeah uh i for me my favorite band out of that whole scene even though they weren't necessarily i guess they're not necessarily part of that scene but they're part of that era i guess is arcanum arcanum is one of my favorite bands um but especially they're kind of the the, the comeback stuff um to me is like some of the best songwriting in black metal in my opinion especially the the album with uh all the thurisaws the 11 yeah thorns was, yeah yeah, that's probably their strong, his strongest album as a whole, like with songwriting and and vibe and stuff. Like he's definitely another one of those bands. It's like a songwriting black metal band where it's like you're like crazy how good his songwriting is. You know, like yeah. I would, you know, he's just like a riff master, kind of like I always say, like Shot Rug from you know Horn and Sargai stuff. He's just like a fucking riff king. You know, <laughs> like he just has like black metal just pours out of his hands. You know what I mean? It's crazy. It seems like an unlimited. That album also has a set Titan, I think he wrote and played on it. He, he, I knew he played on it, but I think he wrote on it too. He's another incredible guitar player. So like those two dudes together, I mean, two people that take it really serious as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I think that was, that's why for like the, that Swedish scene, that time is like real important to me is because it's just serious. It's serious black metal. Yeah. I think it came out at a time in the late nineties, early two thousands where, you know, like I think that, maybe black metal had kind of you kind of had like those a lot of those norwegian bands kind of shifted off into the weird matrix thing you know mm-hmm. like um i feel i feel like the i feel like after Uranus died the norwegian scene kind of lost its focus to a certain degree so you you know you had the bands like suitor and erg hall and carpathian forest and stuff like me you know keeping keeping shit alive right but then you had like all these other bands like Oh, now we're going to turn into an industrial band or whatever, you know, just like start like going yeah. off in weird directions. And then, you know, you had maybe too much of the symphonic black metal. Like I'm a fan of a lot of that kind of stuff, but I feel like it, you started getting a lot of kind of bands that weren't like for real about what they're doing, but they're kind of copying the symphonic sound because Demi Borgir was big or something, you know, especially if, after Enthrone. Yeah. After Enthrone between having, you know, between like Enthrone and then like Midian coming out and stuff, it was like, yeah. that kind of style i think a lot of bands were a lot of guys were kind of copying that to try to get big or whatever so i feel like um i feel like you know the release of like salvation by funeral mist and then you know tm2 by offermod and you know the first couple on scept albums and all that kind of stuff really was like a palette cleanser for black metal you know between that and then mm-hmm. having Deathwell omega in france and anteus and stuff it was like okay now let's let's reset the wheel and to motion of like serious like this is serious black metal you know what i mean 
Yeah. I think it's interesting, like from your generation to see that, because I think that something really similar happened, at least to me, because with a different scene, which is the fact that, uh, you know, when, when, uh, obviously the first time I was hearing black metal was that's like, like I was saying, like the mid, you know, like the Gaul era, Gorgoroth stuff and that whole, you know, Peter Best era, I always kind of call it, you know, with the book and stuff. Um, it being on vice and all that shit. And then obviously that didn't last super long, that kind of that big peak and it kind of fell again. Yeah. And obviously I got into other things, you know, through high school and stuff and didn't really find myself. But then I think I also didn't fully have a really serious experience with black metal on like a, on a spiritual and, you know, really meditative front kind of until I heard the, the Icelandic black metal bands. And it was kind of a similar thing to me where I was like, Oh fuck, these dudes take this really seriously. Right. Um, yeah. And that was like a, for my generation. And for me, that was like a really big eye opener and something that really sold me on black metal. And then, kind of caught my interest again and uh that's where this all kind of where arcane archivist kind of starts out of is you know me getting into those bands and being like oh i guess this is kind of like those old gorgoroth or old dark thrones or carpathian force the bands i had heard when i was younger and then kind of you know i didn't have the accessibility to have their albums and stuff so i kind of forgot about it but then when you hear something like sparta dowdy flush cathedral like that album was like so pivotal for me because I was just like, I mean, I was like, I guess this is black metal, but this is something so different to me at least. Right. Yeah. None. I could see that for sure. Because um, I guess for me, like I saw like Sarti Dowdy and those bands as being almost like continuation. Like they're like of the Orthodox thing in a way, but in their own, they're so for me, it was like just kind of like the next stage in that, that whole thing in a lot of ways, but I could see yeah. that like, in you know you know even yeah being a few years younger it's like that's like the uh that would be that thing where you're like oh this is black metal like serious i know a few people who had that experience where you're young it'll be younger than me where they're like the icelandic thing was what really got them into you know black metal in a real serious way and i could see that because you know those those bands had that energy to it you know and for me like i remember flesh cathedral coming out and um I remember really liking that album because it, it really felt like an extension of like what Offer Mod was doing or on or, or more like unscapped, like on Mortus and those types of bands, but then it was like taking it to this like other direction and you know, all those Icelandic bands really did that. And I mean, unfortunately, you know, Sparty Dowdy's not a us anymore and you know, all that stuff. But at least Miss Theorming, I mean, I think their last album was their best album so far. Their their third album. That's a it was their it's, best. It's my favorite that he's done so far it's fucking incredibly powerful. Well, just and not even in like a, um, you know, spiritual sense, but just like, it just feels like a fucking hammer. Um, the first, and maybe the first albums were more atmospheric, I guess you could say, but that new album is just like, it's just really heavy. Um, yeah. It's like the production think, is like perfect to me. It's so, so like raw and powerful at the same time. Yeah. Totally. I think that, um, uh, a Thorier from Sparta Dowdy, the guitar player, his band Sinmara have been like playing more and more now. And I, and I actually didn't really get into them originally when I was into those, those bands, but um, I've, I've been listening to them more and more. Um, and that's an incredible band too. Yeah, I know it's a small group of guys, but they have a lot of really great projects. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of the first Sinmar album in particular. That's my yeah. favorite one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I feel like, I think like what I really like about the new Mysterming album is it's a bit more in my direction of like what I want from black metal because it's a little bit less melodic than say his mm-hmm. previous one. You know, previous one has a bit more the mel- melodies and stuff like are kind of like uh, like the more raw uh, aggressive side that he's kind of brought more into the new album. You know, some of the stuff almost feels like. Um, like I feel like there's a direct nod in one in one of the songs. I think it's maybe the first song to a song like um, Fenris by uh, Enslaved off of the Frost album. You know where it's just like mm-hmm. super. You know that album's very aggressive. You know from Enslaved and it's like I feel like there's like elements to that new Misterming that have some of those like real aggressive parts from you know Frost and it has elements that remind me of Funeral Mist a little bit. And then you have like the real heavy uh epic parts that you know call back to like bathory and i guess like you know if you read that bardo methodology interview he did he was inspired by man of war too so that's cool (laughs) which that's fucking awesome man war rips yeah yeah i kind of it's kind of the album that i always hoped they would make i guess in a way because seeing a dogger with like infernal war shirts or you know um you know obviously they did like that cover song of of um a funeral mist with mortus like i was like fuck they could go in that really aggressive direction you know really pounding and then kind of with this new album i was like well there it is they, they did exactly what i was kind of hoping they would do which not to say it was formulaic because i don't think it sounds anything like the old, the first two albums but more so it was just like i was really hoping that they would maybe you know go that direction i'm glad they did yeah me too yeah i'm really I like that. I like that direction. And uh, did you, I'm, one album that I'm really obsessed with right now is the new Marduk album. That album, Memento Mori, like really blew me away. I have a problem. <laughs> so I, I bought it on the day it was released at my, uh, I guess I would say local record store, but it's pretty far from me, but uh, the closest one to me. I went and picked up the CD and um, I have a weird, like, um, I hate when albums start out with a fade in <laughs> because uh it does something to my ears where like, I can't, I, I, even if I have the volume up really high, I feel like I can never tell when it's at full volume, like, you okay. know, it fades in. Right. So then I'm like, Oh, is it all the way up? And then I want to turn it up more. And right. then I'm like, Oh, this production sounds muddy, but then it doesn't really sound muddy. It's just that my ears or the production sounds quiet, you know? But uh, I was kind of laughing because that album did that. And then the new shining album that just came out the other day also does that. Right, yeah. <laughs> Fuck, both of these albums do this, but it is an ama- the new Marduk is an amazing album. It's a band I have a lot of respect for. And I think it's a great album. Yeah, I'm a huge, huge Marduk fan, a huge Funeral Mist fan. And, you know, I remember when uh, Plague Angel came out and uh, uh, it was like all about the fact that, you know, they got Ariok from Funeral Mist and the fucking marduk i was like that's a perfect combination you know and i was a fan i like the legion stuff i like everything by marduk pretty much you know like but i felt like if anyone's gonna fill those shoes it's gonna be you know ariok from funeral mist you know what i mean i i personally and obviously this might just be my age but for me i like the early early the early stuff the first two albums and then i like the ariok era especially serpent sermon right that's the name of it uh that uh, that album was the first marduk album i I bought um other than those of the online so i guess the second but the first of the arioc era so that was a big big one on me and i I still it's still probably one of my favorites but i i agree the arioc era is is incredible he's an incredible vocalist 
it was a, it was just a great combination. You could tell, you know, it brought a lot of fresh fresh blood into Marduk in a lot of ways, you know. But I'm I'm still I'm a big fan of having the show burn when we were gathered and Nightwing and Black yeah. Grand Dance Macabre and World Funeral, a lot of kind of stuff. But um, you know, I definitely think that you know Rom Five Twelve. That's probably my favorite Mar Mortusera is um, Rom Five Twelve. But you know, I love Warm Wood Serpent Sermon. I wasn't too big on Victoria. So I feel like this album is a bit of a more of a return to form, but definitely, yeah, I I feel like that's kind of the general um, consensus about Victoria. Is a lot of people, some people really, some people really like it, but for most part, most people feel like it's it's an okay album, it's, but it's not great. You know, it's not. Yeah, I don't think they've ever made a bad album, but I agree, it's not it's not near my top at least. Yeah, but they're one of those bands that Marty got the worst is still better than some bands at their best. You know, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah, even bands I like that oh, their best album. It's like, well, probably still not as good as the worst Marduk album. <laughs> right. That's how I feel about Funeral Mess. I was listening to the discography recently, and my, um, you know, uh, what's the, his third album? I'm like, also, I'm blanking on the name. Um, fuck. Uh, Hecatomb. Hecatomb, the one, the one before Deoform, right? Yeah. That one's probably my least favorite of his albums. Like, it just, mm -hmm. it's, it's still a great album. You know what I mean? But it's like, yeah. compared to Salvation or Maranthra or Deoform, it's it's nowhere near as good as those albums. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I feel the same way about, about um, Abigor. That's one of my favorite bands musically. But uh, I, yeah, I feel the same way about like their most recent album just because Fractal Possession is like, to me, one of the best best black metal albums of all time and then obviously all those early albums you know opus and the debut and stuff like that are incredible so the new album when that came out it was just like it was still great but it wasn't like the best album ever so it's hard when you make when you make what is in my opinion one of the best black metal albums ever it's hard to you know match that right i did like uh late late motif lucifer a lot the one yeah not fractal yeah i i with Babagor, I don't really like. Uh, was it Satanized? That's like. I'm oh not, yeah, that not, was... not into that album. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not super into that one or that EP that is around that same time. But I actually don't own either of those, so I guess I don't think of them. Yeah. That happens all, to me with a lot of stuff. Is that like if I don't if I don't own it, oh, I listen to CDs like through through my through the day, like at work and at home. So if I don't own it, a lot of times it kind of can escape my memory. Yeah, yeah, but I love. Uh... My favorite Abigor albums are probably Verily uh, um, Stung, the first one, and also Noxminium, like the, the second yeah. album. Yeah, like those are probably... But that's also just because that was my introduction to Abigor, was I got the Noxminium, or how that word's pronounced. Yeah, yeah the CD is that one, and then um, uh, Orc Pollute on one CD. Yep. And... Um, and that was yeah. So that was my introduction. I got, I got that, and I got the double disc that had uh, Pharaoh and Stung and Vulcan Dark Age, and had a second disc of Opus Four. So, okay. you know, so those were like my introduction. I mean, that, listening to that stuff takes me right back to you know two thousand five or whenever I bought it, and I don't know. Like I have on those albums have a lot of nostalgia for me for that reason. You know what I mean? Like there's certain certain albums that really are tied to a certain time. You know, of getting early early in my process of getting into black metal. You yeah. know, because I really got seriously in the black metal probably about 2004. And so, okay. yeah, like, because I knew kind of knew about it before that. But but at that point, 
late 2003, 2004 was when I really got like seriously into black metal. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. and so, you know, being, you know, you're a teenager and you know, there's a lot, you have the kind of nostalgia for some, a lot of those things. Those ones, some of those, that's one of those bands that's really very tied to that time. Like I was really into that kind of black metal the most at that time, like stuff like Abigor and, you know, early Satyricon and um, all that kind of stuff, you know? Uh, it's just unbeatable. It's also, like you said, it's it's really difficult to outdo the impact of like a, of, a, of an early album, especially when it's like something that ends up defining so much of your life, like I'm sure Black Rental has for you, you know? You don't, you don't a lot of times get to choose those albums either, you know? Yeah. For, for me, when I was, when I was 19, I moved across the country um, and basically lived out there, didn't know anyone and got a job at like a shitty local grocery store. And one of the guys that worked there happened to be just like this fucking total loner black metal dude who was in his fifties. <laughs> and he was, he was like, didn't talk to anybody, but I think I was wearing a, a thrasher magazine shirt that had a pentagram on it or something. And he's like, you into black metal. And I was like, Oh, uh, kind of. Cause I had remembered those old, you know, old Gorgoroth and stuff like I was talked about a couple of times, but he was like, I'll bring you some CDs. I was like, okay, cool. And at the time I, I still had, you know, collecting CDs and uh, well, I still do now, but at the time it was still sold in stores and FYE and stuff like that. So he brought me, he brought me uh, my first three kind of black metal CDs that I ended up owning, which were super weird, which was one was, well, one was Dismember, um, like an overflowing stream, which is obviously not black metal, but the two black metal was the Kavist album. Yeah. And uh, the, the debut, um, uh, pulver by um, Life Lover. Right. Yeah. So just a fucking <laughs> super weird three piece that he just dropped off to me and was like, "Oh, I'm sorry." And Total Death by Dark Drum. Okay. So just a weird, like a weird, a weird stack of CDs. That's a weird combo. Yeah. <laughs> but I have like incredible nostalgia for all four of them. <laughs> yeah. Just because I, uh, I don't know if they're early when you, you don't get to pick those type of CDs. I feel like or those albums. Well, particularly back then, you know, you know, the up to probably like I don't know, whatever, ten years ago, whatever. If you got into the music and it was still in a time of, you know, CDs and you didn't have streaming and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, um, you know, our streaming was very minimal. Like, it was just like YouTube at home. Like, if you had internet, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was like your, you know, um, I was talking to this with somebody recently. Uh, it's like, I, you, you didn't. You, you what you found is what you found you know what i mean so yeah. like so and then what and you had to limit out money so you could order what you could order you know like so like before i was turned 18 you know i just had to find stuff at the cd store when, after i turned 18 i opened a bank account and could like order stuff off of the internet you know what i mean like uh from like from like distros and stuff um you know that's yeah. when i first got paypal and like you know paypaling you know that's when I really got into like ordering from like, you know, independent distros, like, you know, like, um, and all that kind of stuff, like total Holocaust and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, but it was like, um, uh, I feel like, I feel like it was funny about that is that you kind of get like very more individualistic, like kind of like mixture of stuff because of what you found oh. when you found it. You know what I mean? Like, and I sometimes wonder about that with, uh, with, with, Maybe that also creates a bit more individualistic type of, in, you know, in, influences upon upon you, like where you're like, you know, I was, you know, 
1617, I just happened to find Samayo worshiping blood ritual double disc, you know, at the store. And that became like a really important, you know, albums for me that I still listen to this day, really formative albums, you know, just, and that's partly just because I found them, you know, and I kind of knew who Samayo was because I, you know, read about it or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, I couldn't just like go on Spotify and just listen to it, you know, at a drop of a hat. I had to like, you had to just find those things, you know what I mean? Like, so, see and sometimes you'd find random shit like i would buy stuff just because i i there's a cd store here and i think it's still here it's called black and red they would have all the cds like their ucds like where they'd take the cd out and put it behind the counter but they had like the the case with all the you know you could open yeah you could open up the case and look at the booklet and i'd look at the lyrics and so i would like buy stuff because i was like well just this looks cool. The lyrics look legit and talking about stuff that I, that I'm into, like, you know, Satanism or whatever, you know, I just buy stuff like a random sometimes. And so you'd have this kind of random, you know, like that's how I found out about Sacramentum. For example, I bought their second album because it looked kind of, you know, the cover is kind of goofy, but, but it had cool lyrics and, you know, had some picture with that. I think in the CD, it's got the picture of the guy of like the naked lady and stuff. And I was like, I was like, this looks kind of cool. So I found out about Sacramentum, like, and that's a total random album to start with them. You know, most people start with the first album, but you know, it's like, I kind of like, I kind of like that second album. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like it a lot. I think it's great, and it's like, but that was my introduction to them because that was just what they had. Or yeah. my first Gorgoroth album was under the sign of, of Hell, because that's what they had. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I obviously I have a biased soft spot for that era of Gorgoroth. My favorite Gorgoroth album is like a, a neck and neck split between the debut of course i mean i don't know how you could mean pentagram that's just it's one of the, like the perfect black metal albums in my opinion but then my if, if i have to go with my true favorite it's probably um insipid satan i yeah. absolutely love that album and uh obviously that the gall era in general gets so much hate but i think that the, i think that those recordings are for me in my experience, were really formative. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, I mean particularly in Sibid Satan, because um, I remember that was another one of those ones I found at the CD store used, and I picked up because it's Gorgoroth, you know, and, you know, yeah. that's Gaul is, you know. And, um, yeah, for me, that's always been, like, a really important album. Like, it's a very formative album for me as well. And then I remember when Ad Majorum came out, that was also a big one. And of course, and then got like Twilight of the Idols. Like I love the Gaul era, you know, and particularly, but it's, it's kind of split between the Satan and Admish Worm for me, which one I like better, but I generally kind of have more of a, of a nostalgia soft spot for Insipid Satan, you know, where that's probably, mm-hmm. probably my favorite in a lot of ways, but it's hard for me to choose because they're both like incredible albums. I actually, I mean, that's one of those bands that I like every single thing they've ever done. Uh, and my my first CD I actually owned from them was Under the Sign, the original recording. Yeah. And that's a fucking incredible album, but that's like almost like a totally different fucking band. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Obviously, that's actually, it still has Unfurnished, but... That's actually my favorite of the first era of Gorgoroth, like for me. Yeah. I, I mean, I love Pentagram and Antichrist, but... And again, it's probably because Under the Sign was the first one I bought. Like I said, you know, like I remember, mm-hmm. I remember when I bought Under the Sign. I bought that album. It's funny you can remember this stuff, like because it was so important. But I got Under the Sign yeah. of Hell. I got the Martyrium album. You know, the band that was before Secrets of the Moon. Yep. Luxa Culture album, and I got um, uh, 
Celtic Frost to make Ethereon, and I got Carpathian Forest Black Shining Leather. And that was like early. I mean, this was like some of the first Black Metal albums I ever bought, you know, like so. Yeah. And those that's all a, I mean, that's a ones, in, you know? really interesting, like, mix though. Yeah. Again, like, it's funny how those, yeah, those early albums that you don't get to like, that you pick because you know the name or you, you know, you see something in it you like. I think that's so much of the magic of it. I mean, at least for me, looking back on it, that's why I still take chances on stuff at the store if I don't know it. At this point, it's harder because I'm so enveloped in this stuff and like I know so much of it because of my interest. But I really do. Uh, I am nostalgic for those memories. I, I have kind of a funny story about about that under the sign of hell. Like you were saying, you that was like the first one you got, or that was the first one I got too. And I remember it was when I was actually living in St. Louis. That's what I was saying when I moved across the country. When that guy gave me those CDs at the store, you know, he gave me those four CDs at the grocery store. And then I kind of got into it. I was like, okay, I want to like find more of this stuff because I had to return those to him in the end. So I ended up buying those four albums. Well, actually, I didn't buy the Dark Side album, but I bought the three other ones. Um, But then I was going around to like, you know, all different types of little CD shops and, you know, like half price books and stuff and all these in St. Louis. And I remember I found Under the Sign of Hell and um, Mortician House by the Cemetery. Okay, yeah. (laughs) And the, the the Mortician House by the Cemetery was like a, like someone had like a you know like one of those fucking the promos that are like cardboard yeah and they just they cut it and put it into a jewel case <laughs> so it like wasn't it wasn't like a real version but uh looking back on it it's funny because i remember buying those two and having never heard either of them and uh both of those albums have such insane production that i remember at that time i literally couldn't even hear songs in either of the albums <laughs> and I was, you know, 19 or 20 years old, but I remember putting on that Gorgoroth album, especially and being like, fuck, is this actually how this whole album sounds? Like, you know, that drum sound. Yeah. And then now, obviously, you know, those songs look the back of your hand, but it's interesting thinking back on when you're, when you're young, the way you perceive things. Yeah, I actually remember it, the kind of experience of one of the other early ones I bought was in the Nightside Eclipse, you know, by Emperor. Mm-hmm. Like, I really, there's something about it, it had that kind of magic and... um. I remember the moment where you're listening to it and you're kind of listening, you're hearing it on one level at the first that it's kind of overwhelming the first time you're like listening to it and processing it. And I remember the moment where all of a sudden it clicked and I was like, yeah. could really hear it for real. You know what I mean? It was like my, it was like my brain had to get adjusted to listening to music in a different way or something, listening to black metal. And it was like, that makes sense you know it was like on one level it was natural because it's something i was drawn to but it was also like this thing where you kind of had to learn to listen to it which so that's kind of why I, I understand when some people can't they don't like it because they think it's noise or whatever they don't it's just like so against like way they perceive music and reality that it they can't handle it you know what i mean because yeah. you know it is one of those things like I think some people like it or that you or you don't. And even if you like it, you kind of have to adjust and, you know, your brain has to get used to it to process the the input coming in and figure out what's going on. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. I think that that's a, that's a big thing. It's interesting that you like learn that on your, on your own, like just through listening. Cause I remember that same coworker who had given me those CDs had given me um the the second Emperor album. Uh, anthems and I kind of had a similar situation where I put it on and I really couldn't like tell one from the other I couldn't like really understand what was going on you know it yeah. was like even it's funny for me to even think back 
to that, but I like, I truthfully couldn't even like hear a guitar. <laughs> yeah. I just like, it was like kind of a wall of sound. And I remember he told me, I kind of like, brought it back to him and I was like, yeah, this one isn't for me. Like I'll stick to like the, that life lover album or something like that. Even though I'm not even into that band nowadays, but like, you know, something where you can hear a real fucking like rhythm. Oh, here's the simple guitar lead, you know? But um, he, he was like, no, just put it on and then do something else. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought like that's kind of stupid. Like, what the like? Why would I do that if I'm trying to listen to this album and take it seriously? You know what I mean? And I remember he said like uh, something just about you know something. He wasn't trying to be deep about it, but he's like, no, it's about the atmosphere it creates. It's yeah. going to create an atmosphere, and then that's what you get out of it. Yeah. It doesn't really matter about what the riff is. Just it creates a certain atmosphere. So then I think that's kind of like what you were saying. Like it took me a while to really understand it. And obviously, after a certain amount of listening to black metal, you can kind of hear every part of it and understand everything but it took me that kind of listening to it for, to understand the atmosphere for it's all click for me as well yeah that's that was kind of my experience with listening to something like in nightside eclipse was it was like and black metal's whole is like i was attracted to the atmosphere and the feeling of it and then i was like mm -hmm. over you know probably a couple listens of the album you know it's like at first like i could hear you know i could definitely make out like you know like say the song that really hooked me into Black Metal always was cosmic keys to my creation and times off of In Night Side Eclipse. Like just mm -hmm. like it goes into it and it has like the keyboards and I was really attracted to that. I heard like the MP3 of that. So I got the album. And at first it's like a wall, you know, you're just like there's all this kind of sound going on and all this stuff. And I could feel the atmosphere of it. I was really attracted to the dark kind of atmosphere that I had. But definitely took a few lessons to really be like start to really isolate like the instruments and the notes and what's actually going on in the music you know what i mean <laughs> I definitely like, i mean there's probably there's other bands that maybe it's a little easier like as you know i got into bathory very early on as well bathory was definitely okay. a lot easier to to grasp onto than say emperor you know what i mean like yeah. a lot easier to get get your hands on into like under the sign of a black marker, you know, something like that, you know what I mean? Like musically, but like, uh, or, uh, but I mean, that's funny you say that. I guess <laughs> I but, had the, I had the exact opposite experience with Bathory. When oh, I, really? my first <laughs> lesson. Yeah. Because, uh, I don't know. I mean, I came from like, I was into kind of extreme other types of extreme music before I got in the black metal, because I had already been listening mm -hmm. to like the swans and, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, like noise like industrial music like there's a new mountain and like noise music and all kinds of stuff like that along with metal and you know goth rock and post-punk and all kind of stuff before i really got into black metal so i guess like i was kind of sure. i was kind of already used to hearing the noise and stuff i guess in a way you know what i mean so it was a uh, I, I was kind of attracted to black metal for that reason too because it was like had that kind of wall of sound noise that I liked a lot and that lot of kind of music as well. Yeah, I definitely, I, that's interesting to think about it. Cause I, I think I was coming from such a, I, I guess from really not being into as much aggressive, aggressive metal before being into black metal that, you know, obviously I had grown up with general heavy metal stuff. I was into Iron Maiden and, you know, Judas Priest in high school and stuff like that, but I wasn't like, that wasn't like my passion. I had other things I was spending all my time on uh, passions outside of music, but then hearing. So when I heard something like Bathory, especially when I heard the return for the first time, I literally remember thinking like, this is unlistenable. 
the drummer is off. <laughs> that was my whole thought process. Was for some reason the first listen of like it of the return, I thought the drummer was just like off, like totally off. And I was like, how could anyone listen to this? And I probably only listened to the first two songs, and then I didn't listen to it for maybe five years, and then and then got I got like a bootleg LP copy of it just to be like, okay, this is important. I need to go back to this. It was already into the Viking era. It went back to that and was like. I don't even know what the fuck I was thinking, <laughs> but you know, I don't know when you're young and you don't understand for whatever reason, that's what my ears heard. I heard the drum thing off, but now I listen to it and I, yeah, they might be a little bit sloppy, but they're not off. Right. The return is probably a little bit more of a, of a obscure album by Bathory in a lot of ways, you know, in the sense that that album, I feel like when I was, you know, 17, 18, that era, that age, I was probably more into, under the sign of the black mark and Bloodfire death and the Viking era. Yeah. Um, and then get it. But the thing with the return is that I liked the atmosphere and the feeling of it. And as I got older, it's become more, it's like become more and more important to me in a lot of ways. Like I, I've learned yeah. to appreciate it even more as I get older, which is, yeah, definitely. I, I kind of agree. Cause I, I got really into like, Hammerheart and you know that whole era first and I although I still like all those albums I don't really listen to them as much I find myself listening to the first two yeah and the first three but especially the first two especially you know the the goat and and return those two are the ones I kind of spend the most I had the same experience like when I was a teenager I definitely <clears throat> I really got into Bathory through the Viking era in a lot of ways yeah. And then kept going back and and um but now I I almost never listen to the Viking era Bathory unless I'm in like a certain type of mood. You know, I, most of the time I put on Bathory yeah. it's the first three albums. And and then like some of the songs on Bloodfire Death. Um I actually again when we're talking about random, fine, you know, getting into things randomly. The first Bathory album I got was Destroyer of Worlds because they had okay. it at the C D store used. <laughs> and uh and, You're like um, Bathory. I'm gonna get that. I know that one. Yeah, I didn't know. And I mean, um, and so like actually, kind of. I mean, half of that album is, is horrible, right? It's like not good. But yeah. there's there's there are some good songs on it though. There's about which like uh, the first three songs really good, and there's a song Pestilence on it that's really good, and like, okay. it's, like one of the last songs on it's good. Yeah. So a lot of people was right. That. I've actually never bought it. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't like they don't they don't bother with that album but i i guess because of that fact because i bought it you know and i wasn't really prejudiced necessarily because it was like 17 you know like i just listened to sure. it because bathory you know i actually found that i was like there's some really good songs and even when i go back to it i'm like those the, those good songs are good and then there's like the crappy late bathory like thrashy songs on it too that kind of suck yeah. you know they're like requiem and that stuff but then there's like he kind of had there's some epic songs on it that are really good. Totally. And I mean, I don't hate all the old later stuff. I got the Nordlands one and two pretty early in yeah, my those are, you know, those are good too. Yeah. Those. And those are I don't want to say they're my preferred listening for the Viking era, but maybe maybe so. When I go back to the Viking era, I kind of put those on. But I think it's also just nostalgic because I like those two a lot. I, I love Nordland one in particular. I think that's a a really good album. I probably do actually mm-hmm. listen to that more than maybe sometimes Hammerheart and you know like my yeah. favorite Viking era stuff is um 
Nordland one and and Twilight of the Gods. I think those are my favorite of the Viking era stuff. Twilight's a good album. I mean, yeah, uh, I think that like it it was definitely a mature album for him, and like kind of does it does kind of feel like in a lot of ways kind of like a kind of like an end of well it was obviously was kind of an end of an era but it really does kind of feel like the end of something there's a finality to it that album yeah i agree i think that you know and it was like you said it was the end of that era i mean quarthon's like okay i want to go back to basics after this and do this other thing you know like what he did on uh, requiem and octagon and um you know i guess i can appreciate that you know that he was like i'm not gonna just try to I think he knew he couldn't top Twilight of the Gods, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it took him a while to go back to that kind of stuff. It started with the story of worlds and then he obviously did Bloodfire Death or sorry, Blood on Ice. Which uh But he said that was that was done earlier, so who knows? Yeah, I think the the, the tapes probably like the main tapes are probably done earlier, but it's hard to say with what with that one. Yeah. Like it has some good songs on it though. I mean, that was the beginning of the return and then the story of worlds has some of those epic songs and then you got Nordland and uh that was a good way to go out i mean those are both really good you know yeah and, and yeah and they they brought some of those kind of heavier parts and it actually worked a lot better you know with the Nordland yeah. than they did like just like the kind of weird death thrash stuff he was doing you know totally i also think it was also a situation too where i mean i kind of obviously he had his own reasonings and i I'm not going to say whether it's right or wrong, but it was also kind of like, man, you already did that. I don't know. You, you've always been so into doing something new. So when he did that kind of death rush stuff, I was just a little bit kind of like, I don't know, from someone that fucking invented two genres, you would think they would go to it. You think they would invent a third, but maybe not. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot to ask of somebody. Yeah, probably. I mean, you got, yeah. I mean, he did, he did basically create the, you know, black metal and Viking metal and, you know and yeah, come on just invent another genre dude yeah and yet all the <laughs> bands, order. i think when it comes to bands that were inspired by both equally i think the, my favorite was would be hades like that's probably the best like they're that they're a band that feels like they're equally black metal and viking metal you know what i mean like that I, that was the one band i really love a lot that yeah. people forget about i love that whole I don't know what you want to call it. I, you, you could say it's like the B tier or the C tier Norwegian black metal, but <laughs> that's like some of my favorite shit. I don't know. Cause obviously everybody knows the, you know, Mayhem, Burzum, Satyricon, I guess you would call that the kind of A tier bands. And then obviously there was like in Demon War Gear and stuff like that. But then there was kind of the, the, the B tier bands, but then Hades, Aeternus, Obtained Enslavement. Um, Toulouse. Toulouse, Helheim, yeah, Helheim's that great. that kind of uh, bands that all started around like, well, I guess Hades was earlier, but a lot of those other bands started and like started when the, the other bands had already put out like their first albums or their demos. So they're a little bit younger than like the Vargs and Euronymous and stuff and except, the Emperors. Except for Toulouse was actually older because they started in ninety one, but they didn't release. An they album started in ninety five. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, so that's when. The, well, and you know what. I, I kind of take that back too because fucking Aeternus had had demos in '92 and '93 as well. All of them were like that, but I don't know. I I really like those kind of those those bands. They had some really original ideas, especially yeah. bands like Aeternus and Hades. They had some really well, Antelus as well. They had some really cool, 
you know, they weren't just playing that quote unquote North core style, or, you know, they weren't just going for a Norwegian sound. So to say, you know, they, they were really doing something their own. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that too. Like, it's kind of like the, if you have like your, your A tier and then you got, you know, you got your kind of uh, secondary ones that people always go to. And then you got these other bands that are often forgotten about that are, just as good as the other bands it just like for some reason they they get overlooked a lot in the the story of norwegian yeah. black metal you know a lot of times you can kind of like see something like i don't know i, I kind of feel like there's there's something you could a lot of them were a little bit late on their full-length albums yeah that was a that was a big thing like um i think that if a lot of those bands if they would have released their full-length albums earlier it would be they would have been they would have done something more for instance i think that if Obtained Enslavement's Witchcraft came out before Enthroned Darkness Triumphant. Or even if it would have come out, let's say, at the time of their debut in 95 or 94, I think that that would have had a much bigger impact because that album is, like, obviously one of my favorite albums of all time, but it's also just an incredible album. Yeah. Or even, like, something like the first Eternus EP, if that would have came out a couple years earlier, I think that it would have made a bigger impact. But obviously by 95 96 97 everything was getting flooded so there, there's some really great releases that go on on you know on, not unseen but there's not a huge fan base for them yeah like uh another band like that that I've, i'm often baffled by why they're not more popular is uh isvind like isvind is you one know, of those bands their, their first two albums thought. are incredible you know like i mean all their albums are incredible but I mean, their first album came out really early. It was like 93 or 94 or something like that. But it's like nobody talks about Dark Waters Stir? Yeah, that was pretty early, I think. Maybe, maybe 95 or something. Let's, let me double check. Yeah. I uh, yeah. I kind of thought the same thing for a long time. Um, just because... Oh, it was 96, so it was a little bit later. 96. But, but they started in 92. But yeah, 96. So again, it's that thing that came out a little bit later, I guess, might be part away but so that's like an incredible album and like nobody yeah you know talks they about it at all no they don't talk about it at all especially nowadays but i re i kind of had that same thought for a long time uh just because there's not even a lot of photos of them so even if i like tried to post them on the page or something like that there's really there's really not much yeah but um recently i got a collection of zines in a lot of norwegian zines that are pretty obscure and i was really surprised by like three or four zines from 95, 96. It's like people were trash talking the shit out of this. And oh, really? <laughs> being like, oh, these posers are like older. Like, what do you think about kids making black metal like Ispen? Like, like it was like, they were like questions being asked. So it, I think that that might be something that's forgotten was maybe they were kind of a ridiculed band that weren't really accepted by the other bands for one reason or another that might be lost to time. The whole reason, you know what I mean? Right. But uh, that's kind of something that I thought was pretty interesting. I was like, oh, I guess I never took that into consideration. Because nowadays, yeah. obviously that happens a lot, but you wouldn't think that, you know, that got that gets lost because the zines aren't preserved. Right. It's interesting because, I mean, they came out in 92. I mean, but I yeah. guess maybe they're a little bit younger. You know, I know that they had a close connection with Suter. Like, I know that guys mm. from Suter played with them and stuff. I mean, they're part of that group of bands that used to rehearse at that um rehearsal space in oslo where mm -hmm. um uh what the, whether that bar that bar was that they, they all used to hang out at um elm street 
yeah yeah elm street there there was like rehearsal space kind of in the same area that all the bands rehearsed at like mayhem over mm-hmm. suitor you know is been like all these bands rehearsed in the same like rehearsal space you know that's how connections became made with a lot of these guys like why a lot of them share members and stuff i think borknagar was uh no no not borknagar they were they're from bergen but um uh I'm trying to remember all the bands but there's like a bunch of bands that all rehearsed in the yeah. same place in that time but it could be part yeah, of that times guard uh, yeah that's another one yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah that's how red viewings end and even started was because they were all rehearsing in this rehearsal space and they just connected with each other and started making that music you know and i mean uh, what's his name for dot dot guard i mean he was younger too he was like 14 when you know doing his stuff so the coat neck or something yeah yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I think that I know that, like, for instance, with Shooter, I think if I'm not, I can't remember who told me this, but someone told me, like, that 95 demo they have, um, that they were, like, 13. <laughs> yeah, I think they're, they're so, like, 13 or 14. They're pretty young, so. I think that that could have easily been a target. For instance, like, who knows, maybe in in, ni- in the mid-90s or the early mid-90s, maybe those dudes were just really young, and then they were maybe laughed at because of that. And then maybe not taken as seriously because they started so young when like, for instance, yeah, sure. Ivar from enslaved was really young, but that was a couple of years earlier where everyone was kind of younger. So yeah. who knows? I mean, I think you had to be there to kind of understand the situation, all of the whole situation. But and it, also it's funny. Some of it seems so like on the surface now that it's funny. Cause I go back and I have these type of questions for a lot of the older guys, but they don't want to talk about it, <laughs> which I can't blame them, but it's also interesting for me because me and you have these questions like why the fuck doesn't why why isn't it's been bigger you know what i mean yeah they don't want to talk about it probably because they also realize it was kind of probably juvenile <laughs> like there's a lot of the artists going on you know so they don't want to but i guess like you could look at in the long run who's laughing because i mean the guys from suitor are still 100 percent for real about what they're doing in the sense of yeah. like you know they're dedicated to black metal you know what i mean like so even totally. if people are making fun of them in the mid 90s lot probably a lot of those people making fun of them aren't even in the black metal anymore you know as they're, yeah, they're, they're a lot of times, you know, <laughs> totally. They're like working at like for oil companies or something, whatever yeah. Norwegians do when they get old. Yeah. See, cause you'll see that a lot where these, these guys are like probably the, the, I feel like a lot of times that, you know, some of those guys are like making fun of the other guys and then they're like, they get older. Like, oh, I'm not into that anymore. You know, where you have the other people who are like, you know, serious about it. I mean, this one's still technically going, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that last album they made was good. I think it's well, that wasn't a no pun intended. I think the album was called Good or something. Like yeah, it was Good. Yeah, although that came out 2015 or something. 2015. Yeah, it's a while. They they're due for a new album. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a long time since the last Suter album before they released the one this year. But I yeah. like that new Suter album as well. I don't think I've gotten it. The last thing I got from them was that re-recording of the Throne of the Goat, seven inch. Yeah. The it was new, like the original and the new one. The new album is really good though. Like definitely recommend picking it up. The uh oh, yeah. another one that's like real forgotten classic releases for me is the Mac Tatus one from the nineties, like the nineties Norwegian scene. I love that first album, Bloat. Bloat's good, but they went off the deep end of like cheese. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's why they're that I think that's why they got forgotten. I agree, yeah, because their later stuff's like not very good, but that one album is like a fucking masterpiece. You know what I mean? That kind of style of oh, like, yeah. uh, 
like it kind of it always makes me think of the first Bork Nagar album is kind of in a similar mm-hmm. vein, you know, that kind of stuff. Like there's something uh, naturalistic about it. Yeah. What I do you like I like the first Bork Nagar album and I do like um I like probably I'm up I'm cool if uh Bork Nagar up to you when Vortex first left, like Quintessence. But I don't really okay. like the Vin- Vintersorg era very much at all. Like I like that first Vintersorg album. Um, like with the genuine pulse on it and stuff like that, but again, that's probably era wise because that was the first Borknagar album I had. Empiricism. Yeah. So when you you know when you get it and it's the first one, you don't know. <laughs> I I didn't even know who ICS was at the time, but the ICS era is definitely my favorite. I never I never had a big uh, connection to the first two Borknagar albums, even though people people I really respect and you know know you know hold them in the highest regard. I own them now and I really enjoy them, but I, I think that the the Vortex era is my favorite. Yeah. For me, yeah, it was probably the first one because that was the first one I got and yeah. I really like the black metal house more black metal in a lot of ways, like the feel the sound and stuff like that. And you know, it's a bit harsher. I remember recommending to somebody um who was like really back in the day was really surprised by how harsh the album was. He was like, That's not quite what I was expecting with like, you know, the <laughs> The nature picture oh, on the yeah. cover and stuff, you know, like, and it com- starts out with this fucking harsh, like, trebly guitars and shit. And I was like, that's why I like it, though, because it's still, still kind of harsh, but it's got these, like, atmospheric parts and stuff, you know? <laughs> especially especially how it starts. Like, the beginning of that album was like, what the, f- what the fuck? I didn't expect it either, even when I heard it later, because I had heard pretty much the rest of their discography by the time I heard the, I heard the debut last. So right. I, I was pretty <laughs> taken aback by that. Yeah, it's definitely different. I mean... Yeah, I think that one and Olden Olden the Main and Archaic Chorus were probably the, were the first Borknagar albums I, I heard and yeah. uh, still my favorites. I think for like the you know, real Borknagar, like they're actual like um I guess because the first album is very much like its own thing. Olden Domain's kind of like still dipping into that, but I feel like Archaic yeah. Chorus is like where he kind of like solidified his his own sound and his own thing and that that for me is probably always going to be like, as far as mature Borknagar, like is like, you know, more progressive stuff. That's like my favorite one. Totally. I agree. I, I'm a big fan of, of that last album they made, True North. Um, But it's obviously something totally separate from black metal. Not yeah. that the first step was necessarily black metal uh, to go back to our earlier conversation, but I, I can, re- I really respect them just on the front of like musicians, songwriting, I think True North was a really, really good album in that, you know, taking all that into regard. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't really consider Borknagar black metal. The closest they got to black metal was probably that first album, you know, like that's more yeah, of the, then, it's kind of like the nature side of black metal that kind of mm-hmm. still has that, still has that harshness and darkness of a lot of black metal, but it's more walking through the forest type of black metal, which is a side of black metal that exists and I yeah. like, you know, but it's like, um, yeah, I really only considered that first one too. Yeah, the rest of his, you know, he created his own sound, his own genre in a lot of ways, which I, I can respect for sure. I just kind of like, Definitely. I kind of, um, it's the same thing problem I have with later Vortex, uh, Vintersorg stuff. Like I like his earlier stuff, but when he started singing more in the high register and more in that kind of progressive high register, I kind of, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not into that as much. You know, I just not I'm not really into that yeah. kind of higher range progressive register as part of my problem of later enslaved. You know? Yeah. After Gretel stopped doing his his Viking cleans, like I was I kind of like don't really like it as much because like it kind of 
it just makes it sound like every other prog, prog rock band, you know, where like yeah. say say like enslaved up to blow the lights, and you got like Gruddles like Viking chants and stuff. Like it just adds that that extra atmosphere to it that just doing like the normal same prog rock vocals everyone else does just kind of doesn't do it for me, you know. Totally, and I think with my thing with both of those bands is it's also just kind of like. I don't know. I, I I guess from an artist perspective, looking at them, you know, as being artists, it's like they made these incredible incredible albums. Both Vintersorg, Borknagar, and Enslaved made these incredible albums, and then they made albums I don't like after that. And I guess would I have rathered them to make the an album I would like if they weren't inspired to? I might not have liked it anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. So exactly. it's hard to say. I kind of have to just be like, I kind of just have to be thankful for what what, what I got from those bands, and be like, okay, if this is what you want to make. I mean, I'm not interested necessarily. I don't pick up the new Enslaved albums when they come out anymore. You know, no, but that's yeah. just because that's not where I'm into. So, but like, I went and saw them recently, and uh, um, a buddy's band of mine was opening. Went to go hang out with them. Super fucking nice guys. People are there to see the new stuff. I think that's fucking awesome. The last time I saw Enslaved was sick because um, they actually played uh, a lot of black metal stuff, and they played. Um, oh, really? Yeah, they. I, I saw them um, with uh, with Wolves in the Throne Room. Actually, my friends bought me a ticket. We we're mostly going to see Enslaved, but we watched all the bands. But um, uh, yeah, they played Veteranaut from Viking Lavelli, which is my favorite song on that album. Oh hell yeah! And I mean, that's, that was amazing to see live. I mean, and that, that must've been a challenge for them because that's like 10 minutes of just pure blasting. You know what I mean? Like it's just that black metal, not blast, but you know, that black metal, you know, yeah. drum beat, you know what I mean? For 10 oh, minutes totally. or whatever. I was like, they, really got a good impressed they did that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was impressed. They played it. I was like, I was like, if I, if I could pick one black metal song for them to play it, that'd be it. And they also played stuff off of frost and as well, which, which is awesome. Like uh, the last nice. couple of times I've seen them, they played like um, I think Loki, you know, stuff like yeah. that off of Frost. Which I'm, I love Frost. It's a great album. Oh yeah, it's a great album for sure. I just saw them at Beyond the Gates, and uh, they played all of um, Eld. That was a great. That was a great experience to see live. That was an amazing album. Yeah, that's yeah, really. It was yeah. cool. They had fire and all this crazy shit. So. Yeah, Eld Fire. I, I forgot. Yeah, you went to Beyond the Gates and you, you. Yeah. How how was that? Oh man, it was fucking. It was incredible. It was like everything, everything I hoped it would be. Um, it was my first time in Norway, but it was definitely something I'd recommend. They just announced the new lineup for next year. I'm not going to be able to make it, but if anyone's listening to this and you know has ever thought about going to a black metal festival, that's the one I would recommend above all. Uh, yeah. It's like well run as hell. That, I always say like um, if I can make like if, if there's one black metal festival in Europe that I'd want to go to is pretty much Beyond the Gates because they always have the bands that I I would want to see. You know, I'd always have like Nidrosian bands and stuff play it, and you know, like, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, to me that that's like the one I'd like to go to, and then you get to hang out in Bergen and. Yeah, Bergen's the best city in Norway, in my experience. Well, I've only been to Oslo and Bergen, but I like Bergen a lot more. I can say that. So, I mean, obviously, I, I'd love to visit Stavanger and Trondheim at some point, but um, 
Bergen was incredible as a city. Probably my favorite city I've been to in Europe. So, yeah, I mean, if uh, if I end up going again, that, or if you end up going, we would love to do another another podcast, talk about that. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I definitely loved it be able to go but it's like it's one of those yeah. things where it's like you have to take, have the money and the time to take off to like get go there and everything can be hard <laughs> yeah I, ba- I barely made it happen this time but I'm, I'm glad i did yeah that's an amazing experience i mean i've been to norway once um and uh, i just know the experience of being in norway and actually listening to norwegian black metal when you're in norway is like uh it's awesome you know because you're just like oh. it's, it's so perfect with the the scene i mean we drove same between- we were on the train yeah, we drove from Trondheim down to to Oslo, and I remember like you know you're like looking at these beautiful mountain views and listening to Black Pedal. I'm like, this is like perfect. Like that stuck with me for so long. <laughs> it's still like a memory that I have, you know, sticks with me. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. That's something I'd love to do too. Because we just took the train from Bergen to Oslo, and even that was like incredible. So yeah, to drive all the way that would be that would be insane. Yeah, I've heard that the train. Has has some good views, although I think it goes under a tunnel for a while too, doesn't it? But <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's a lot of tunnel, but when you do see the views, they're like insane. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Shoot, man, I I do have to get going, but Perfect. I fucking thank you. I thank you so much for doing this, man. It's, it's great talking to you. That was awesome talking to you. Yeah, and if you ever wanna come on again, you know, you're always welcome. So because oh yeah, great conversation. It was, a, it was a wonderful conversation, and obviously, I'm sure. I mean, you could talk for a ton of more hours and stuff too, because there's unlimited topics. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. So hope, hopefully, I'll be back on again at some point. And uh, it was awesome talking to you. Thank you, man. Thank you too. Uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night, man. Night night.